this is actually a really funny story. He calls me four months in, right before we open the restaurant. He goes, hey, hey, bro, we need to open the restaurant this Saturday. And I told him, you're nuts. You're crazy. We don't have a staff. We don't have plates. We don't have, we don't have training. We don't have anything. He goes, Otto, there's $6.27, $6.27 left in the bank account. We got to open this Saturday, right? And there was $6.27, $6.27 left in his bank account. And, and he's like, I got to open the Saturday. And I told him, all right, fuck it. Look, it's my birthday. November 4th is my birthday. So like, my birthday is like Thursday. I'm like, look, here's a credit card. Go to Costco. Buy the food that you need to buy. Uh, you know, and let's throw my birthday party at the restaurant. Find yourself two employees. And we will train everyone at my birthday party. Yeah, love And we that. will open Saturday. And that's how we open. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new. You like that, ladies and gentlemen? That was good. I feel like we're on a in a basketball game of some kind. Yeah, something like that. From Averett University. <laughs> uh, I am Nick Jimenez, joined as usual by the owner of Averett University's record for most croquetas fried by a defensive lineman. That's that's actual. That's <laughs> chef, real. Chef and James Beard Award semifinalist Wolf. in the category of Best Chili South. That's such a gross entry. I'm like a little grossed out by all of that. Michael, Actually. Michael Beltran. We are joined by. I think this is this is very cool. I think because this is the first time that we've had somebody uh, with this kind of a business, right? Where there's how many locations? Ten. Ten. Ten pincho factories. One of the founders. Ten. Ten. How do you sleep? I know. Wow. <laughs> we don't. Fuck. We got Otto Othman, who is also a part of the BCPR family. So. Past guest Larry Carino is putting in work over here. Man, <laughs> this is why Larry gets the big bucks. He's getting you those big hits on, like, here being on here on Panko <laughs> Podcast. That's really why Larry gets paid the big bucks. Watch Larry get fired right. tomorrow. 100%. <laughs> why thanks. did you get me on this damn show? Many thanks to both Larry and Otto for agreeing to this even after they listened to our episode with Seth Gonzalez. <laughs> The episode that we're really not totally sure what actually happened. I'm still watching it. Though. I couldn't yeah. tell you what that episode is about. He's been listening to it for about three weeks. Yeah. It's still, we're My still on. My kid turned seven. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still there. Started when, when your kid was five and now is seven years old. I get and it. I missed his birthday. Trying yeah, to finish this thing. Just listening to the thing. Wow. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. What's going on? Nothing much. First of all, thanks for uh, 10. I didn't know it was 10 locations. 10 locations. You still have time to be on this fucking shit show of a podcast. I can't thank you enough. It's an honor, man. An and honor, your second your, your your second cigar ever here with us. Cheers. If, if you tune in to my Instagram story, you'll be able to see Nick giving a live tutorial about staring into someone's eyes while you light a cigar. <laughs> That's exactly what it was about. I know it was. was I know nice. it was. All right. All right. So what's up? Nothing much, man. You know how... Just living the dream now. Oh, man. Living the dream. Feels like we're not in COVID anymore, even though we are in COVID. So. That's, a good, that's a good way to put it. We're living the dream of like how last year was a nightmare. Right. So this is an actual good dream. Absolutely. So let's, before we even get into like COVID and the, the Rona and the masks and things that are happening now and businesses, right. let's talk about how you even got into this crazy shit of restaurants uh, to begin with. Where did it all begin? From a wee child, were you like, oh, I really want to open up a pincho factory one day, and you were like two? <laughs> or um, 
Was food always a passion or what? Tell me how it started. Yeah, it's a, it's a very funny story. So um, I moved here from Brazil. You know, I'm Middle Eastern descent, both my parents. Um, and we moved here. Out of all places in the world, I moved to Hialeah, Florida. Good for you. Don't ask Good me for how. you. I'm a Hialeah kid. Woo! I, moved, I moved to Hialeah. Um, they are not paying for ads on here. <laughs> I've learned uh, the Cuban uh, Spanish. Uh, believe it or not, I speak more Cuban than any Cuban kid I know. Good for you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, growing up, not growing up, I was already 15 at the time. But basically, I went to HML. You know, that was my senior year. And then my friends were, like, blown away by my mom's recipe for the pinchos. Like, you know, the kebabs. It's a, a, a recipe that was passed down to her. You know, and then she sort of tweaked a little bit. So it's like a Brazilian Middle Eastern recipe. And in one of these, you know, barbecues in one of our houses, our friends tasted it. And they were, like, blown to hell. Like, they were blown away by, by the kebab. And that kind of stuck in my head. And I'm an entrepreneurial kid. You know, I've always worked with my parents since I was, like, literally, like, 12 years old, 11 years old, helping my dad. Like, I've always wanted to open up my own business. And, you know, I, I went into advertising, believe it or not. So... I was a creative director at a big ad agency called Sapient Nitro. So I oh, I know Sapient. I, so I worked for Sapient for like, yeah, they're right down the they're street. They're down the street. Yeah, now. So I worked with them when they were in Palmetto Bay. Right. And then they were in the beach. So I worked with big brands like Fiat, Chrysler. You know, that's what I did for a long time. But I've always wanted to open a restaurant, you know, that, that was around my mom's food. Right. Uh, because, you know, it's like I was actually blown away that people have never tasted that, that sort of, you know, uh, seasoning slash taste profile. And I reached out to, uh, on a 4th of July barbecue, me and my uh, business partner, Nadal, which I'm, I'm sure you know Nadal, yeah. um, we were taking some shots of tequila. Good for you. And, uh, you know, he, he was unhappy with his day-to-day <laughs> on what he was doing. He was working at a restaurant that he was a partner in. He had just invested alongside me and, and another uh, uh, family, family friend. And then I told him, look, man, I think we should open our own restaurant, you know, um, with some of my mom's uh, pinchos, you know, kebabs. And uh, I'll do all the marketing, all the advertising. You do all the cooking because I, I really can't cook for shit. Like, it's not really my thing. Cooking is not really – I like. I love food, but it's just not hey, my you like thing. the eating portion. Right. <laughs> exactly. Cool. There's nothing right? wrong with it. You know, but I, I'm more of an entrepreneur. I like business. I like starting businesses. So, you know, we created a whole menu that, that, that day. And then literally two days later, he called me. He goes, hey, were you serious about, you know, starting a restaurant? I told him, well, you know, we were drinking. But, you know, why? What's up? What are you doing? He goes – no, I'm already. I'm. I already met with two landlords. He goes, I already went with two landlords. I'm really. I'm really serious about this. And I said, Fuck it. If you're down, I'm down. Like I've always wanted to do this. So you know, that's that's how the whole thing started. You know, we put you know seventy-seven thousand dollars between me and him, and his little. We actually forced his little brother Nizar to be our third co-founder because okay. we needed we needed we needed a his his cash and we needed help because it was just the two of us. So we just wanted his money. Yeah, we wanted Got his it. money. <laughs> Love you know? that. Well, but Nizar ended up being a, a, an amazing uh, piece of the puzzle for, for our success. And, uh, and we went to town, bro, you know, and we couldn't even open anything in Hialeah because we couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford a real estate. Everything was super expensive. You know, this was in 2010. Mm-hmm. And we needed to find a second-gen restaurant. We only had 77000 bucks, So we ended up finding a location on Bird Road, which is our Westchester location. Yep. And that was our first spot, $77,000 in a dream. Wow. So, yeah. Bird and what? I'm sorry. Bird and what? Bird and 98th. That's right. That's I, right. I want to note uh, a little a little connection here. I also did very brief work for Sapient Nitro 
had a friend who was working at Sapient Nitro. This might have when what were the what was the time frame that you were there? I was there from 2008 till 2013. Okay, so this would have been somewhere in there. Uh, a friend of mine needed help. She was working on the uh, on a Dove chocolate campaign. Ooh. And asked Ooh. me if I, asked me if I would write some of the new Dove chocolate wrapper messages. And so, if at some point in the ensuing years you were inspired to treat yourself or engage in some self-care in the form of a bubble bath when you opened your chocolate, that might have been because of me. So, you're welcome. Amazing. Do you really have one-liners on Dove chocolate wrappers? I, 100%. Well, I mean, they might have changed funny. them by now. This I, is the best information I've ever oh, learned yeah, about yeah. you. Actually, Why would you wait till now? I actually worked on the Dove chocolate campaign. I did actually flew to New York. To, to shoot a whole thing for, but I handled the interactive part, like yeah. all the, the ad banners, all the microsites, all the animation. I actually went to New York to shoot with some folks last yeah. minute. That was funny. So we probably worked on the same campaign. So it was basically, I mean, worked on the campaign is a little generous, but it was basically like she just needed a favor and I was living in Wisconsin and it was too cold for me to do anything else with my time. Oh, wow. Uh, and so she basically got in touch and was like, hey, do you have time? Like, I need help. I'm overwhelmed here. This is like, it's a stupid task, but... I need you to organize these messages into like, you know, health and self-care and indulgence and whatever. <laughs> Do you and, remember any of these things you put on the wrappers? I'm, I, I only remember the specific that I remember is the approach that I took, which was like, what would I open these wrappers and think like, God, who the fuck do they pay to do this? And that's the approach that I took. So you don't remember any of the things you wrote on? No, it was a lot of like, it was a lot of affirmations about what you deserve and like encouraging you to do things for you, and you know. Oh man! I'm sure I worked a bubble bath in there somewhere. I man, I really wished I knew that before. <laughs> well, amazing! After you guys were done working on Dove chocolate together, and you opened up your first pincho, tell me how that was. The first one. First one was tough. Yeah, it was very tough. Yeah. The first year we did 200 grand in sales. Woof! That yeah. is tough. That was tough. But ignorance is bliss, brother. Yeah. We, we, didn't, we didn't know. We didn't know better. We thought, okay, what a great year. Yeah, you know, we'll keep going. You know, yeah. we'll keep going. You know, Nadal. You know, you know, Nadal and his wife Crystal were fifty percent of of the the staff. You know, for for the first year. You know, worked very hard, busted his ass. You know, like we we would not be here if it wasn't for all of the hard work that they put in the first year. I I still kept my job at Sapien full time right. until we opened Gables. When we opened our Coral Gables location and we sort of had much better sales, that's when I quit my career and I jumped on board. But you know, it was uh, it was crazy. We actually, this is actually a really funny story. He calls me four months in, right before we opened the restaurant. He goes, hey, hey, bro, we need to open the restaurant this Saturday. And I told him, you're nuts. You're crazy. We don't have a staff. We don't have plates. We don't have, we don't have training. We don't have anything. He goes, Otto, there's $6.27 left in the bank account. We got to open this Saturday, right? And there was $6.27 six dollars and 27 cents left in his bank account and and he's like i gotta open the saturday and i told him all right fuck it look it's my birthday november 4th is my birthday so like my birthday is like thursday i'm like look here's a credit card go to costco buy the food that you need to buy uh you know and let's throw my birthday party at the restaurant find yourself two employees and we will train everyone at my birthday party yeah and we will open saturday and that's how we open that's literally how we opened Pincho. Like on Saturday, uh, we had like 400 people showed up. All of our friends, everybody that we knew showed up and it was amazing. And then Monday, reality hit, right? Right. And reality hit and then we had to build a business. Which is your, your friends don't pay the bills. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, people, yeah. people fail to remember that uh, part. They'll yeah. come the one time and then the, yeah. they'll come again six months later. And right. 
maybe another six months later, but they don't pay the bills every day. Right, right, right. That's crazy. That's nuts. That's nuts. So for that first year, what were some of the highlights other than your birthday? You know, um, we almost had, well, we had the water cut off on us a couple of times. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had to figure out how to get the water back up. You know, we had to put a lot of money into into the business. You know, that was my thing. I told you, look, you keep hustling, keep doing what you're doing, and I'll support the business financially as much as I can. So if I need to write a check, I'll write a check. If I need right. to do this, I'll do that. And we kept, you know, working really hard, man, you know, the, the whole first year. And I think, I think the first year, yeah, in 2011, actually, the highlight was we won Best French Fries South Florida on oh, Local yeah? 10. Oh, yeah? Of sorts. Look at and, that. And that was like crazy for us. You know, back then, you know, we, we didn't have the money. We didn't have PR. Couldn't afford. You want another? A vodka soda, please. Perfect. Yeah, please. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, um, And, you know, we couldn't afford uh, a Larry. <laughs> right. <laughs> Larry, I love yeah. you. But when we were young, uh, we couldn't really, you know, afford a PR company at the time. So it was 10 times the work to get people to know where we were. Right. And we just happened to be in Westchester, which is an amazing, beautiful town. But that center where we're in is not a center that had like a, a, a big anchor that was driving a ton of people at night. You know, everybody closed like around 5 o'clock. From 5 to 10, we were alone. There was salsa, salsa lovers next to us. It was like nice. Fridays, Friday and Saturdays, you know, salsa lovers, we would fight with them because they took over the entire parking lot. Jerks. <laughs> salsa lovers. What's yeah. wrong with you guys? Yeah. And, uh, Jeez, I still I keep thinking about that twenty grand, two hundred grand in the first year. That's like yeah. Anybody uh, in their right mind would, sh- would have shut down. Anybody that well, do. you know, the first year that we were open here, I didn't know, I didn't really know much about much either. You know, I didn't understand right what were good sales. Like now, when I look at it, I'm like, man, right, we've improved so much. But I had Absolutely. no idea the first year. I was like, man, we suck. This sucks. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. But trust me, for us it was tough. Yeah, no, it was t- I think everyone for like a restaurant that, uh, you know, isn't like what uh, one of these like commodity things or like a chain restaurant or whatever, it's right. going to go through those kind of growing pains. I mean, you did a whole new concept and now you are 10 years later with 10 locations. Yep. So when did you open the Gables? So, you know, first year, 200 grand, second year, 350. All right. You know. Second year, we almost closed down. Nadal came to me. He's like, look, I'm done. This is too much stress. But, you, know, you know how it is. It's not easy running a restaurant. He was there like seven days a week, you know, like really doing, like like carrying the whole thing in his back. Totally understand you that. You know, I told him, look, man, you know, just let's just keep muscling through. You know, I'll, I'll keep helping and supporting you as much as I can again. You know, I told him, look, whatever you need to pay yourself, pay yourself, whatever it is, we got something. We really do. And yeah, I had a meeting with him and his little brother, Nizar. And we decided, you know, we gave him the, the, the push that he needed, you know, emotionally to keep going. And then the third year was our break. Went from 350 to 775. Oh, wow. And then, and then all of a sudden we hit a million bucks, fourth a million bucks, and 1.2. And we kept growing out of that one location. How uh, many square feet is it? It's 1,100. Wow. And it's a tiny. It's good, good numbers out yeah, of that. Yeah, it's that tiny. size of a location. Like 1,190 or something, 1,150. Um, so... Right around the time, and I'm giving you context because right around the time when we went from 350 to 770, like that change, we knew we had a real estate issue more than anything. Because anybody that walked in loved the, loved the restaurant. Everybody that walked in was like blown the like the hell away by the food. So we told we we told each other, I'm like, look, 
let's open a second location in a better let's in, in better real estate let's see if you know we we believed in in, in the brand so much and said look let's go sign a second lease so in 2012 like mid 2000 no yeah at the end of 2012 we signed a lease in 2013 we opened coral gables and then Coral Gables was phenomenal since day one. Was it? Oh, it did outstanding. Yeah, really? A million bucks plus, and it kept going. That's a little incredible. hidden Coral Gables. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like a, it's like a hidden location. Right in the back. It's right. like, you know, like like a block and a half away. Right. right. And I always drive by it, and I see people, but right. it's like I'm never like you know, it's not like on a bumping street. Right. But I can tell right. you that there that's better numbers than restaurants that are on right. Geraldo. Right, right. No, is, and I'm sharing restaurants with you out of context because you're a restaurant guy, so yeah. you can understand. Not trying to like boast or anything, like, but that was how hard it was for us to get to. Oh no, I to get having it. a solid business because, yeah. as you know, anything less than that, it's it's not a restaurant. Like you, you, oh, you no. better you better close. Uh huh. You know, it's it's not like we're printing cash. No, it's literally <laughs> you gotta get to that to break even. You're surviving, <laughs> right? To survive, right? Yeah. So the um, the first year at the Gables already hit a million bucks. Yeah. Was amazing. First That's year, great. And it kept growing How many square feet is that one? Bigger. Sixteen hundred. Oh, okay. So bigger. Slightly bigger, right? Fifty seats. Did you um, third the third location? How many square feet? Third location was our Hialeah location. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was twenty five hundred. Yeah, I was gonna say, have you? I know because after a while, you kind of get into a mode with these kind of concept. You're like, it's stamped out. Like, I need this size of a location right. with this much kitchen. Right. I know it's going to – the build-out is going to be X amount of weeks and it should be this size and right. it should be this fast and I need to use these people. And Are you like at a place there or do you still – does the location or like the community you're putting in dictate that? Absolutely. So now we know for a fact that we need to be in that 2,000 to 2,200. We have to. Anything less than 2,000 is tough. Even though COVID sort of changed that a bit. Fuck yeah, dude. Right? So like if before COVID, I would have told you 2,200, 2,300 for sure. Now I'm even okay with eighteen hundred, yeah, eighteen hundred to to two thousand to twenty two, yeah. So one hundred percent, and we realize that for our sort of concept, so like you know we're not a fine dining concept, we're a fast casual concept. So it's super super important that you open in centers that have anchors, because you know that's just you know we don't have the budget, we don't have like the PR, you know like that that. That a fine dining restaurant would get, you know, and we can talk about PR in and 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 Larry, this. cover your ears. <laughs> but it's very tough for a fast casual restaurant to constantly drive PR. Sure, you know, and you know, it's and it's even harder for a fast casual to attract dinner. Like fast casuals are predominantly like lunch business. Yep. And believe it or not, Pincho, we're like a 50-50 concept. We're like that's great. 50-50. Some restaurants are sixty percent dinner and forty percent lunch. So it's super important that you it, it's find. It, it's interesting. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, is that yeah. like for me, the struggle we've always had yeah. is creating lunch business. Right. It's like the opposite, you know. And then, so when I opened up Chugs, which isn't necessarily like I guess I guess that version of it was like right. fast casual. The the two version won't be. Right. Um, I experienced the opposite, which was very different for me. You know, like so it was like yeah, great the lunch. Comp- yeah, great lunch. And then when it got to yeah. dinner, I'm like, where the fuck is everybody? Right. You know, so. And then here it was the opposite, right? right. Between Ariette and Nave, we did would open up for lunch, and I'm like, okay, there's nobody here. Right. And then we'd open for dinner. I'm like, okay, everyone's here. So it's just it's interesting that you say that because I I experienced it just the opposite Chugs, way. Exactly. Yeah. And then exactly. when we opened up Chugs, breakfast and lunch were like great. Right. And then dinner was like, but what happened? Oh, yeah. So yeah, people want at the end of the day for dinner, they want an experience, and they think fine dining. Everybody thinks if I'm gonna go to a restaurant, I want a waiter. 
right? I want I want to go somewhere well, where where somebody's gonna give them service and all of that. But also, like you know, there's it's not an experience when you're talking about going to like Fridays or like right some of these other things right. that are more like anchored by uh, a sports bar. Like there's right. TVs, TVs or there's a bunch of beer. There's still something that draws people to them, but people still go for lunch also. So it's right. an interesting thing thinking about like the restaurant, just restaurants in general, how you build a concept. I mean, the ones that could really make it work for both lunch and dinners, that's the goal, man. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've been very lucky to do that. In the beginning, in the beginning, we struggled the same way. And then we started just coming up with ideas of what would drive people to go to come here for dinner. And then we started focusing on the experience. So we were one of the first fast casuals you know, prior to COVID to add a position called runner. Where if you place an order at the counter, we will run the food to you. After that, was a full service experience. Right. We like did a food that. runner. Yeah, food runner. We started yeah. doing that. Where in fast casuals, you don't. You sort of stand in line, you place an order, and then you have to do all the work after that. Right. You know, obviously because of COVID, we changed our model back to, you know, now we give you a pager. You know, you come and pick up your food and all of that, so we can minimize contact and whatnot. But interesting, huh? Yeah, yeah. How it's we've crazy. had how we've had to like revert and yeah. change the whole game back to something that we had to morph from from the beginning anyway absolutely it's wild yeah so third location was hialeah hialeah fourth pembroke pines man how is pembroke pines amazing is it really amazing that's dope amazing do you change menu per location or no no and no variances at all just same same menu across the board so 10 locations have you do you have a commissary kitchen nope really no all prep in each one all fresh daily daily all from scratch too like we make our sauces in-house we're butchering steak and chicken cutting it up putting it to pieces you know veggies fresh every day everything is like there's a scratch kitchen in the back amazing yeah yeah it's a lot of work which a lot of people you know you don't get credit for all of that work (laughs) yeah yeah you know from a fast casual most most of the brands received everything already frozen Uh everything you know pre-cut and all of that you know, like we, the the one thing that we were able to do now is like get like our steak and chicken to at least come cubed. Yeah. But but it was a huge process because they want to do it frozen. And we said no, it needs to be cut and it needs to be delivered fresh. And we I were, mean, but these we were, guys, once you have ten locations, they're gonna want to keep you happy no matter what. Yeah, exactly. In the beginning, so, it was very tough. To for sure. That. I mean, yeah. when you have one location, they don't give a fuck about you. Right? They really don't. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> location ten, they're like, "What can we get you, sir? What? We what you, well, sir? we'll yeah, do whatever yeah. you need." <laughs> so. Yeah. Perspective speaking, first right. year you do 200 grand. Right. You're in the 10th store. How, like, when you look back, what are some of the biggest things that stand out over 10 locations, moments, other than, I guess, that first store to second store? Like, what are things that you really think changed the game for you? You know, I, well, one thing for sure, we brought on Adrian, Adrian Sanchez as our director of culinary. Oh, cool. You know, yeah, first year, like what, right after the first year. So second year, beginning of second year, he came on board. And Adrian used to have a food truck called uh, the, the Flying Saucer. So we met him. Disco Volador. Yeah. I'm sorry? It's Disco Volador. Uh, fly- exactly. <laughs> Those are like my favorite fucking sandwiches. Right. <laughs> I didn't know that. I um, I remember that truck because I used to work on the Skya truck. Oh, no way. Many, many years Amazing. ago. Richard is a dear friend and right. like... Um, I was part of that whole scene. Like, what years was that prevalent? Like, right. 2011, I guess, right. around that time. So, I remember that truck, and I always was like, man, that's a great idea. But Miami just... We ran out of... Not it. enough. Yeah. <laughs> this Nick's lighter's dumb. Um, uh-huh. Sorry. Yeah, just... Uh, yeah, give go. it a couple clicks. Yeah, sorry. Good. All right. So, sorry. Um, 
I remember that truck, and it was such a dope idea. You know, because discos are like my jam. I remember there's one. I got to have a conversation with your director of culinary because right. there was one place left that did it here. And after COVID, I went back and I went to go buy it and it was just not there anymore. And I've been for years trying to right. create a press like machine. Right. Let's give people context right. of what I'm talking about. We're going to take a small. So Adrian's the flying saucer, the fried chicken concept. Oh, no. Yeah, the chicken wings. What's a flying saucer chicken wing? Is it, it was called the flying saucer, and they just did wings and chicken tenders. Oh no, the flying saucer I'm talking yeah. about is there's a sandwich that I ate when I was a kid called disco voladores. Yeah, familiar with disco voladores, right? No, absolutely. That it was like pressed like an uncrustable, mm -hmm. right? And now there's like nowhere in this landscape of Miami to find any of them. You know what? Um, Caja Caliente, she does it. Oh, I don't want to get into that conversation. But we don't have enough. We don't have enough time to talk about how somebody thought they created it, and then when I brought mine back after not doing it for five years, for some fucking fucked all reason, she thought I was stealing her dumb fucking idea. Like I need to steal her ideas. Oh my god! Okay, that's definitely stealing. Yeah, we'll, You're we'll, I, that is not we'll, getting edited. We'll leave out that out of this. Yeah, I'm just woof. She does one, but there were plenty of people that did it way before. She did. So she can keep it on her cheeseburger wherever the fuck she puts it. Um, yeah, listen. I, like, it's a Cuban Uncrustable. It is a Cuban Uncrustable for fuck's sake. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a believer that, you know, nothing was created for the first time, bro. Right. Plenty of people have done this shit a million times. So when uh, she accused me of like stealing some idea from her, I sent her a newspaper clipping from five years ago when I right. did it for my first brunch ever here. And I was like, listen. I, this is me just paying homage to someone who did it 40 years before I did. Right. This doesn't belong to anyone. But if right. you want to keep on on your high horse, you're more than welcome. There you go. We're keeping that in, Nick. Um, <laughs> Listen, I'm all about keeping the things in. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. It's just like it's stupid to think that, you know, it's like me uh, coming up with like an interesting pincho. Right. Right. And then and I'm you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then you're like, I created pincho. Like you, I mean, you created pincho factory, but not the pincho. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, it's right. just kind of ridiculous. It, it didn't make any sense to me. But anyways, I don't care. Right. Um, but yeah, like right. I don't uh, actually good people. I can't find anyone else that can do right. that. And the place that I grew up eating it, they no longer make them. Where? where La Palma. Okay. And why? Why? I have no why idea. Disappear. I, I have no idea. I went back. And just like went to the ventanita, got a coteito, and I was like, oh, let me get a decolor of, you yeah. know, ham and cheese. And sometimes I get it with egg or whatever. And they were just like, no, we don't do them anymore. I'm like, what? Why not? They're like, oh, because of COVID. What, COVID? What, did, did the deco get Rona? Like, I don't understand. And I was just like, whatever. And I just dropped it. But, there you go. You know, we, we've done several variations here of that right. thing. I'm really interested to find out what the... Because I remember the truck, but I thought the right. truck did sandwiches, and they never did those. I don't think so. No. Crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, so that was that was one of the, the, the things that, you know, going back to your question, that was, like, really upped our game in terms of a restaurant, you know, restaurant right. group. You know, we were a bunch of kids that really didn't know, didn't have that much experience in running multi-unit, you know, restaurants. Right. And, you know, but, well, he began when we only had one location, and he helped us open up the second location. And... And then, bro, once we opened our Hialeah location, we brought on, you know, uh, the help from from different people. Like different, you know, like even, like, you know, Danny, Danny Surfer from Blue Collar helped us out. You know, people that we know. Former Pancom podcast guest, Danny Surfer, right. and also Yo-Yo Extraordinaire. There you go. So he helped us out. There's a lot of people that actually did help us out in the beginning. So we can start opening up the second and the third. Um, and I think really what, 
I mean, I mean, I know this is gonna sound cheesy, but like, well, this the 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 love that we've gotten from from South Florida as a whole, that's what made all the difference. There's because, nothing cheesy about that, man. Yeah, there really is because like we were like this tiny little brand, you know, that that were on Bird Road in '98, and we became like a beloved brand by everyone, you know, and from little things that we were doing, like either competitions or events or not, little by little. So when we opened Pembroke Pines, believe it or not, it was one of our biggest openings. Now, everybody in Pines already knew what, who Petro Factory was, you know, as a brand. And, like, there was lines out the door. Amazing. Hialeah was insane, right? Like, so it's really amazing to see, like, a restaurant open up 30 miles away from, from, from the first location and just, like, do phenomenal. I think it's very interesting how, um, you know, Miami is – it's, like, a, it's huge, obviously, but – it's hard to get from one place to the next, even though like it really should only take like 20 minutes pretty much. Right. But some people don't want to go that extra mile. Mm-hmm. And if you open up in their neighborhood, they will come. Absolutely. It's very, very interesting Absolutely. to me. Like, you know, I've experienced with so many of my friends that have opened up. You know, they took a concept that may have been in Wynwood and they took it to Westchester. Right. Or they took a Westchester concept to Miami Shores or whatever. And when they did that, people just came because they maybe they always wanted to go, but they never got around to it. And depending Absolutely. on the actual concept... It's, you know, they, they can't get there for lunch right. or they can't get there for breakfast or they can't get there for dinner. I don't know. Everyone's life is different. So I find that very interesting. We learned that a hard way, by the way, because we had a bird row location, our first. We opened one in Flagler, like Flagler, like West Flagler. And then our sales in Bird Road took a hit right after we opened our Flagler location. We're like, what the fuck's going on? Right. They stopped traveling. And because they're like, these were all the people that were coming from Hialeah and Miami Lakes and Doral. They were all going to Bird. They're right. like, oh, no, now we're going to Flagler. They're like, we don't have to go to Bird anymore. Right. Because they were coming from, from far away to the restaurant, which was like, you know, pretty, you know, I mean, hindsight, obviously, we wouldn't have opened Flagler, but now we have two amazing locations. But in the beginning, it was like pretty Listen, like, if you're on Bird Road, go to the Bird Road location. If you're in Flagler, go to the Flagler location. <laughs> Everyone else, just go to all of them. Go to all of them. There you um, go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Bird Road and Flagler, I mean, I, it's Bird, Flagler and what? In 92nd. And then yeah, Bird guess, is in 98. It's like I three guess, miles. I guess they're kind of close. Yeah. I guess so. Not that close, but, you know, three miles. We thought they wouldn't compete, but they did. What was what was the thought process in that? You Just that you didn't think they would compete with each other? Yeah, we had a great opportunity, you know, right. to open up. Got a really dope location, and it was a second-gen restaurant. It was going to ah. cost us a lot of money. And they're three miles away. We're like, okay, cool. You know, there's this whole world here that... that, that Have you... Um, here's an interesting question for me specifically... How many spaces have you built from zero, from a box, and how many have you taken second-gen spaces from? Two of them were from zero. How was that for you? They're the best two. Oh, man. Thank you for saying that. It makes me feel so good because I'm in the middle of building like two from scratch, and I feel like fucking pulling my hair out. No, two of them are the best two because we chose that real estate. Right, you chose chose where everything goes. What we feel like really works for us as a company. Oh, so more like the real estate or the actual functionality of the restaurant? Both. Yeah, yeah. Both, both, both. You know, we never take a space that we don't feel is going to function. We found great real estate that that really sucks internally like oh shit this is like a super long rectangle like we can't do it right we need it to be a little bit more of a square because of x y and z so the two locations which is highly and kendall are the two locations we built from scratch it costs us more money to build them yeah um but they're the two that have the highest volumes i have to say so um area was second generation ish right nave was second generation ish chugs the original chugs 
literally I put like lipstick on a pig and I made it work. Right. Like, you know, I dropped, um, I think even with like, I had to do plumbing work and I had, I put it in a, I put in things. I spent like 26 grand right? and I got it up and running right? and, um, it was, think it was, was tough because you took a second gen space. Well, it was tough because the volume, like it couldn't deal with the volume that it was doing. Like we couldn't capitalize on the volume that we were getting because of the space. I mean, you're talking about like the kitchen was a closet, you know, and I had That's a That's tw- the issue that we run with all of our second gen. Right. Every second gen, because we had to work around it, is right. the ones that we can't handle the volume. And sometimes, sometimes that's the volume they need. Like you have to capitalize on that dinner rush and then I can't, right? We can't as a group and that sucks. You know, Chugs was right. literally, you could put like 1.5 humans in that kitchen right. and it was a small like... Right. 16 inch flat top, a four burner, a fryer. And on Sundays, we would do 450 covers for between like 8 a.m. Oh, wow. to 2. Wow. And it was, that's and crazy. it was, oh, it was crazy. crazy. It was that's some crazy. of the craziest days of my life. Crazy. And that's why we closed it and we made it bigger. Right. We believe in the concept, but now it's like, now it's a totally different thing that I've never dealt with, which is like building from scratch. We demoed the whole thing, we trained it as a thing. fast casual. So. Again, this is probably the most complicated concept that I ever came up with without it trying to be complicated, but it yeah. is because it's got a, it's got form of both. So it's a restaurant within a restaurant. There's a grab and go okay. and a ventanita space, right. which was like what the original Chugs was. And there's a dining room with a full bar, liquor, and the oh, whole nine. Okay. So it's got both. Like it so can capitalize like- on all the demographics from 8 a.m. all the way to 2 in the morning. Amazing. Which is something that... It sounds great in theory. You're talking about pandemic proof. Maybe. I We're not so. totally sure. Yeah. I hope so too. I, hope so. I mean, you're looking at essentially three different revenue centers, right. which uh, all pose different issues. But are, if you can nail all three of them, can be lucrative all, all the ways, right? So, But then it's also functionality, efficiency, cost effectiveness. How do you drive the traffic you need, get the check average you need, and do the numbers you need to do on a yearly basis to basically run an operation that's open for almost 20 hours a day. That's crazy. It's crazy. Where, where are you moving it to? Or It's the same place. We just knocked the wall down. Gosh, so you're expanding it. Expanding it. Because so it went from 700 square feet to 20. Oh, 700. Dude, you're nuts. It was 700 square feet. No, that's crazy. I know. I'm that's aware crazy. now. I thought at the time it was a great idea. That's crazy. 700 yeah, square feet that, that, to then 2,400. We would have told you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we would have I told don't. you. Like, nah. At the time, well, like, you know, like. Love you, but no. <laughs> well, when, when that happened at the beginning, my um, my partner calls me, and I'm actually with Gio, Pasolito Papi, and right. Justin, uh, my chef partner at Nave, and we're in New York, and just like eating for like 26 hours. That's all we did. And um, he was like, hey, look, the space is available. They want to do a pop-up there. What do you think? And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. How big is it? <laughs> I used to eat breakfast there, so I knew I knew the space, and I liked the space. Right. And I was like, man, I'll make it work. Whatever. Let's fucking figure it out. Whatever. Oh, it was yeah. painful. There you go. Painful. But now it's going to be 2,400 square feet. I've built it all from scratch, but it's it's a lot. Where like, was your walk-in cooler? No walk-in cooler. That was reach two, in? two reach-ins. Uh, that's, how, that's how we are on Bird Road, and it's painful. Oh, Regions, yeah, we don't have walking. We, we did all all the heavy prep work here, right? Oh, okay, because we have, have a commissary kitchen, yeah, and we shipped it every day. Oh, yeah, so, so we don't have that luxury. 
Yeah, I mean, I was, I was just, I was fortunate that we were too, like, not even too. It's still a pain away. in the ass, by the way, to do it here and chip it every day. Hundred percent, it's still brutal. a huge pain in the ass. But at the end of the day, we had no other choice. I didn't think that we were going to be doing four hundred fifty covers on a fucking Sunday. That's crazy. Crazy man. That was a bulk first... of your. That was a bulk of your sales. Is like it'll be in those hours because at night. Well, we did. We did. After a while, I stopped opening late. That's yeah. how. That's how bad it was. And I'm right. not. I'm the kind of guy that I like to be open all the time, seven right. days a week. Be open. Just be open. Absolutely. But man, after a while, it's just like it just doesn't make sense. Right. right. I think it didn't make sense because of the space. Right. I think now on the other side, now that we're gonna have booze, we're gonna have happy hour, we're gonna have late night, we're gonna have a dining room it's that a, people can sit it's in. It's a great name. It's a great menu. Thank you. Yeah, That's no, my really nickname, is. so I like it. Thank yeah, you. It's a great name. I hated that name. I was. No, I fought that name great tooth name. and fucking no. nail. You're overthinking it. It's a great name. It's yeah. a great menu. Yeah. Well, the menu is going to be morphed a little bit now, uh, but it's still going to be bones of like the same things. Good. It's just such an interesting. Just don't put a fucking peach on. Oh what? Don't put a. I will on. never put a peach on. You're good. Peaches. You invented the peach. <laughs> I would never. I would never want. I don't want a nasty Instagram message from you ever. I don't. I wouldn't want that. That would be bad. Be bad. Maybe I'll put. I'll put a pincho in honor of you. <laughs> like we'll do pincho day. There you go. I like that. That's there a good go. thing. Pincho day. We thought about. We we'll do it years. on six twenty-seven. I like. Why six twenty-seven? Because six dollars and twenty-seven cents we left on our bank account. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. a good deal. Yeah. You know, we actually, you know, we have a beer that MIA does for us called the 627 L. That's, That's amazing. the number one sold beer in our menu. It's the that 627. Is the, that is a cool story. Do they sell that for everyone? No, just for us. Oh, man. They make so it just like, for us. It. The Fuck. 627. The 627. I mean, if you guys want to carry it, we can, we can, we can I'll make carry an exception. That. I'll carry that. As long as it's good. No, I'm kidding. I'm sure it's good. <laughs> it's I'm amazing. Sure it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's good. But, good. I mean, stuff like stories like that, they really like resonate with me. Right. There was, I think the story I... The one that like I remember the most was going into a weekend and we were like negative six grand in the bank. Ugh. Payroll was due the middle of the following week, and I was like, I have no idea how I'm gonna pull this off. Right. And somehow, luckily, we had like an incredible weekend, best yeah. weekend of the year. T- totally took us out of the shit. We totally like, I don't know how we fucking did it, man, but we did it. It's crazy. And it's shit like that that it's like, man, sometimes if it's meant to be, it's meant to be no it matter really what. Is. And $6.27, that's a... No, it's, it's wild, man. It's wild. It's wild. The, the, the things that we had to do in the first two years, it's unbelievable. Like, I, I can't even... Tell me the best one. I mean, like, to me, the craziest one was literally Nadal, like, you know, God bless him, you know, because... He had to deal with most of this, most of these headaches because I wasn't there in the first year, and Nizar's little brother wasn't there the first year. But literally, like they, like we, our water got cut off. Yeah. In the restaurant, you can't run a restaurant without without water. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm not sure who was, but somebody went and illegally opened the water for us. Just Good so can, for them. <laughs> and just so we can keep running, and then later on, like the next day, we went and paid the water. It was crazy because we were like we were out of money, out of money. We just it was just hard. And, and Nidal didn't want to bother us all the time with more money, more money. So he's trying to make it work, you know, on his own. Yeah, you know, he dealt with a lot of that stress in the beginning. Like it's it was it's not easy. No, you know, I'm it aware. It takes a, a specific kind of human. To I, be feel, able to I feel I feel I feel Nadal on so many different angles. Right, That's for sure. Right. You know, he really did. It's uh, the beginning, the first two years of something that like like that. Right, is always the toughest. Absolutely. You know, you deal with the days that I'm sure he saw, like, not many guests coming through the door. I, I used to go after work. I used to leave Sapient 
in the first six months, I used to leave Sapient, and because of my birthday party, remember I told you, there's a bunch of bottles of fucking vodka <laughs> that people brought for my birthday. You know, we just put it in the office. So I'll go after work every night, and I'll just hang out, me and the doll, and just sit down, and I'll have a drink. And I'm like, all right, cool. And nobody would walk in for like four or five hours. Yeah. And we just we put, we we even got a couch in the corner, and we had Uno, so we would play Uno. Uno. We would play Uno. Love that. We would play Uno and drink, play Uno until oh, so hey, how are you? You you definitely did grow up in Hialeah for yeah. sure, man. <laughs> playing Uno, playing Uno in the back when you guys were bored and drinking vodka. You That's know, for just sure. Waiting for people to show up. It's, it's nuts. Look at look at where it's gone. I know. Thank I know. God. Yeah, it's amazing. So, ten locations, right. ten years. 10 locations, 10 years. What's next? You know, um, <clears throat> so we changed our name from Pincho Factory to Pincho. Okay. Why? Right. Uh, because when we would travel and we go to these conferences, talk to investors and whatnot, nobody never understood. Nobody ever understood what, like, literally people would read our logo and be like, oh, what do you guys manufacture? And I'm like, like no, nothing. We're a restaurant group because they don't know what Pincho means. Right. So if you're American, I mean, not saying if you're American, if you don't understand, because we're all American, but if you're not Hispanic and you don't know what pincho means, you read it as Carlos or blah, blah, blah factory. Yeah. You literally read it as something, whatever the name was, factory. So they thought we were a factory. So I said, okay, we, we got to stop this. You know, we, we want to grow this thing. We really want to stamp out. Like we're, we're super proud about South Florida as a whole. And we want to be that fast casual that makes it out of here. You know, and, and, and really sort of carries all of the flavor and the vibe that we bring as a, as a concept. So I literally jumped on a plane. I bought a ticket. I went to Chicago here. I, I, I literally stood in the middle of the airport with like 45 different people. I went to 45 different people with signs. Like, hey, I'm, I'm a student. I literally lied. I was like, hey, I'm a student. Uh, I would love for you to guess what this is. You know, I designed uh, a logo. I would love for you to guess it. And I'll show them Pincho Factory. Not even one person would guess that it was a restaurant. Hmm. Pincho Factory Burgers and Kebabs, right under it. Pincho Factory Burgers and Kebabs. They wouldn't guess it. So I was like, fuck, we have a problem. You know, I can't open up in, in D.C., in New York, or whatever the hell we're going to go next. We can't really open up with Pincho Factory. I'll show them Pincho Burgers and Kebabs, and they were like, oh, that's a restaurant. Got it. So because they when, when you're saying Pincho Factory, automatically people thought blah, 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 factory. So, oh, you're manufacturing burgers, or you're manufacturing kebabs, or you're manufacturing skewers, or whatever the hell people say. Very interesting, man. Yeah, it's crazy, right? But if it was Burger Factory or Taco Factory, well, or whatever, I, I love the approach, right? Like, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd be that direct, be like, hey, what the fuck does this mean? I'd, I, you know, like that's the I, first I, two people shut me down, and they're like, who the hell is like, you know, this kid just randomly going up to me in the airport? So I, I needed to change my my approach. Instead of saying, hi, my name is Otto, I said, hey, hi, guys, I'm a student. Mm. The moment I say I'm a student, I would love for you to guess. I'm, I'm a designer. I told them I'm a graphic designer at the Art Institute or whatever the fuck I told them. I'm like, I would love for you to guess this. I have a project. I just need to do some research. I figured you guys can give me a hand. And then that's when people, like, put their guards on because I wasn't trying to sell them. Because, you know, when somebody shows up, like, and yeah, wants to yeah, talk yeah. to you, they, like, they oh, all... I'm not going to give back to whatever the hell you're trying to raise money for. Like, you know, you know people are, like, super annoying sometimes about this stuff. And then that's when I knew. So we came back to Miami and I came back to Miami and I said, look, we got to change our name to Pincho. If we really want to grow this thing, it needs to be Pincho. I wonder how, just Nick, welcome back to the podcast. I thought much. you fell asleep over there. I mean, I did while you were talking earlier. Oh. And then, yeah, it was just me, right? Yeah. you know, Monotone uh, voice. Right, right, right. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, the fact that you're saying, you know, that, that, so first of all, the, the factory issue, it just calls to mind past guest, uh, and Banco Podcast Hall of Famer, uh, John Falco's Pizzeria Brew Pub, Brew Pub called Maxwell Brothers Clothing Company. What's a Brook Pub? A Brook Pub. <laughs> Maxwell Brothers Clothing Company. Which I don't I don't know if they have any plans to expand beyond one right. location, but it, but it does make me think like if they ever that. did, they'd have Absolutely. to uh, you know explore right. options. Um, but the fact that you took that approach, right? Not only that you you know literally went to another market, and then you had the foresight to say, or maybe this was something you adjusted on the fly, but that you right. were telling people, I'm a student because these are things that uh, I imagine maybe came to your mind in part because of your marketing background. Right, no, 100%. Right. So, like, I need to do research, but I just didn't have $5,000 to put yeah. on a focus group. I said, fuck it. So, I, I mean, go to Kayak and I go to Chicago. <laughs> that, that's a tremendous resource to have, like, in you, right. no? So, uh, I wonder, like, are there other times that come to mind that that background came in especially handy? And, One million percent. And what do you see, like, in the market, whether in Miami or out of Miami? Because right. I, I think that's something, in the same way that, like, somebody who's been cooking their whole professional career would have things occur to them that wouldn't occur to you the inverse is true also like you probably see people doing things that you're like man if that person knew what i know or right so you can name names or not but just like whether specifically or broadly like what are things that you see out there that you think like this is a very common mistake among those restaurateurs who come from food because when you're opening restaurants it's all the things well, I think a couple of things. I think the fact that I've lived in, like, literally every year of my high school was a different country. Like, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th, and 12th, different country as a whole. I think it gives me a little bit more of a perspective than other people, right? Like, I've lived the highs and lows, right? It's like, I've in the Middle East when I lived, like, it's a small little town with, like, 30,000 people. Like, you know, with, like, my grandma, you know, you know God bless her. May she rest in peace. You know, it's, it's a different, like, you know, a farm, very rural place, you know, like literally like una finca, like in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? So uh, I think that, that was the first Spanish that came up <laughs> and you were not lying. You speak Spanish <laughs> like you grew up in Hialeah. I know. I love it. 100 percent. He came um, all the way up to Hialeah. 100 percent. So I, I, I think more than my background as a, as a creative director and sapient, I think it's just like just having different perspective from life as a whole. I think gives me gives me like a little bit of a different way of a different lens to look at things, right? But when I look at a lot of these restaurants, primarily like emerging restaurants, right? Because that's my thing. Like I can't really weigh in so much on on, on full service, like you, what you, you operate, because it's like one of my passions, one of my dreams. To be quite honest, is to be able to open up a full service restaurant. Oh and God do, bless you, man! You know that's that is, it's hospitality in my blood. I'm Middle Eastern. That's all we do is hospitality. But like when I see like younger brands opening up. The number one thing that I see is them not putting the emphasis on the brand, on, on branding, on branding, on, on, on not just location, but forget about location, real estate, but like, what, what, why do they exist? What, why does your brand exist? And how are you different from other people? Because I see a lot of people just literally just copying and pasting. Uh, you know, I, have, I have friends of mine, you know, and I'm, I won't name brands in Miami, that they're like, instead of doing the hard work of building uh, an authentic audience, they try to copy another guy from D.C. or another guy from L.A. or another girl from here. Hashtag and I'm like, not Carbone. Uh, and I'm like, 
And I'm <laughs> sorry. And I'm like, no, that's, that's fine. It's actually it's hilarious. Weird feud you guys but <laughs> but I'm a feud. I'm but you know honest. what I mean. So when I see that, I'm like, I'm like, like, dude, like, if you really want to be authentic, you got to be your own thing. Like, the, like, I literally had a friend of mine tell me to my face, like, oh no, instead of designing the whole website and this and that, I'm like, I'm just gonna copy so and so. I'm like, why That's would gross. you? Why would you do that? No offense, you to know. Your why would you do it's that? Gross. Like, if you want to be unique, you gotta be different. And then if you are different, if, people if, are gonna respect. If you just want to do like, if you have a dream and a thing that you right. that you want to represent, like, why the fuck would you copy anyone else? Absolutely. Like, I don't know, man. I, it's it's interesting you say that because, you know, a big thing for me is, I talk about if you're gonna open up a restaurant here. I feel like I want my restaurants to be an experience you can only get in Miami. Absolutely. They're, each one of them are very unique to themselves. Right. And each one of them are something that, uh, I mean, I have individually thought of, hopefully from start to finish, right. in every which way. Right. And as maddening as that is, it's still th- something that like I'm very proud of. You know, like. Absolutely. Ariad is a food, a feel, a restaurant that you can only have in Miami, and Absolutely. only in this location. It, it, as as far as my my brain can see, will never be duplicated ever again, and I, I like that. That's what I want. Um, you know, and, and I think about all of our concepts that way. Right. Chugs, like even when Chugs closed and started renovations, there was other people that approached us about opening up another Chugs, and I said, no, I do not want that. Right. We got to make sure the first one works, the real, Absolutely. the first real one. Right, because that the pop up was just a pop up. Right, seven hundred square feet is not shit. You can't really see what a, what a concept is capable of out of seven hundred square feet. I mean, I guess you can if you build the model for that, mm-hmm. but that model was not built for that. Right. So, when it comes to design, websites, merch, concept, be as food, as possible. music, right. all those things, and man, it's tough. It's tough thinking about like. When you change from one hat to the next and thinking of everything from top to bottom differently, it's fucking tough. But at the same time, it's so rewarding. Because you're an artist at the end of the day. You're creating from scratch, right? It's not just about creating the food, which is actually a huge part of it. But creating the whole experience from A to Z, that's actually just as hard. Believe me. Yeah, I mean, I feel... Like your vibe, how do you translate what you feel this place should be? From the, it starts with the food, yeah. but then it goes all the way out from the food to, to everything else. Well, it actually starts with like what you feel and what you see and, and the whole thing from when you walk in the door to when you eat and then you leave. Right. I, like I tell my staff, like that first experience when someone comes in and you're greeted and the music, the volume, the lights, how dim they are. The whole thing, like, that all matters. My team hates it when I walk in. I'm like, the lights are not where I want them to oh, be. Man. The music's not where I want it to be. Like, you're too particular. Like, no, no, no. Ch- Chugs? It, I, it's so important. You have no idea how important that is. Chugs, I was in a meeting the other day, and we were talking about lighting. And they were like, this even has a feature that you can control it from your phone. I go, does it? I want that feature. <laughs> Amazing. I want that feature. I want to know how much it costs, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's fine. Because it makes a huge fucking difference Absolutely. to me. Absolutely. Huge. Absolutely. You know, like, um, I was in a bar the other day. It's like a neighborhood bar, and it felt like I was on the, the left side of the moon. It was so bright. And then, yeah, seriously. And then um, you could tell that the owner walked in, and then the lights went down, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> somebody's here that knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> and then I said hi to the guy. I'm like, oh, yeah, see, I can tell you, you got here. You know, it's just like... 
those like weird things, man. But it, all those small details 100%, really matter. 100%. They they really really fucking matter, and it's like, um, as you like evolve and concept goes to concept to concept, and it, I'm sure for you, even though there are ten of the same concepts, locations and spaces change. No, one hundred percent. We try to make sure that every location has its own vibe. Like our, our highly location has pots and pans. In the wall, well, that makes right? Sense for and then right under it, we had a thing called Por Si Acaso. Yeah. You know, just in case. Right. You know, we try to make sure, you know, and we're talking, like, once we leave South Florida, we're trying to, like, you know, really make sure that every beach that we open in every neighborhood is sort of, like, talks to that neighborhood and it's not just like, oh, no, this is what we are and this is how it's going to be. So you think you're going to leave soon? Yeah. I hope oh, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. Grin on his face. For those of you listening on your Spotify account, yeah. um... <laughs> He has a grin on his face because it seems like something is in the works. Something is in the works. Absolutely. I like that. You won't say where. You've mentioned DC three times, but I'm not going to say anything else past that. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I won't mention further than the fact that you mentioned DC three times in our conversation. But, anyways, well, COVID, COVID pause. Yeah, co- a COVID pause. Like COVID, COVID, COVID pause. Okay. Speaking of our good friend, the Rona. Uh huh. How's the last year been for you? Uh, you know, it was uh, overall a, uh, an okay year, right? In the beginning, it was extremely tough, as you know. And, you know, March, April, May, it was fucking brutal. Brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. Um, March, we're, at, we're actually at a calendar year from when this started happening. This, this is the week. Is it? So, because, you know, we, I, we're a fast casual and I got to report to all my amazing investors, which I love, by the way. Um, I love your investors, too. Uh, and uh, every, we report weekly. Send them my contact. Weekly. <laughs> week, I will. Weekly, weekly sales, right, against last year. So, this is the week that we're comparing to last week that uh, our sales t- took a huge dip. You know, we look great, but we don't because just last year fucking sucked. I remember in, in February, I'm sitting in my office. And one of my partners that does real estate, and he deals with a lot of real estate all over the world. Right. Walks in my office. He goes, <laughs> Mike is an interesting guy. He's like very like firm speak. And he uh, he's the older brother. Right. You know, like his – so it's two brothers and myself are the main partners. Right. And he's the oldest. And he's the older brother. Right. He's like, Mikey, let me tell you that shit's about to get real. <laughs> so Mike – what do you mean? He's like, you know, this fucking, this fucking coronavirus. I'm very concerned. My, my, uh, people, uh, trying to buy real estate in X place and X place, you know, everyone's fucking talking and I'm fucking worried. And I said, well, Mike, if you're worried, I'm worried too. And he was like, we, I don't know. We got to get our ducks in a row. And I said, I'm concerned now. Right. When my, I like <laughs> me and Mike don't talk about much when it comes right. to like worries. Right. It's always just about investment. Right. So, when he comes to me with like a worry, I'm like, oh man, I'm worried. Yeah. And like clockwork, probably a calendar month later, the world Boom. was shut down. Right. I remember this day. So March 16th. What's today? 15th? March 16th. I'll never forget. It was a Monday, I think it was. I remember everything Everything hit the fan and I was like, okay, what, what do I do now? I got on the Zoom call with all our GM Zoom. You know, we've never done Zoom before in our oh, lives. Man. I'm still figuring literally, it we've out. We've never done Zoom. We literally figured bad. out how to do Zoom like that day, that morning. I sent a message to my director of operations to Caesar. I'm like, look, we gotta talk to the GMs right now. We gotta like figure out the game plan. I gotta let everybody know what we're thinking about because it was it was like kind of scary. I got on the Zoom call and I told everybody, I'm like, look, guys, 
here's what's happening. Um, here's what we're going to do. I'm like, look, we're not like this huge brand that has a shitload of money in the bank that can just, you know, Correct. walk through this for the next four or five months. But here's what I'm going to do as, as a co-founder of Pincho and as a CEO of the brand. I'm like, look, not following anyone. We're not following. We're going. I literally told them we're going through the desert. This is a race. We're going through the desert. We have X amount of water. We're gonna share it amongst each other, and we're it's gonna amazing. we're gonna make it through. I, I, we did not furlough not even one employee. Wow, that's fucking incredible. Not even bro. one employee. I took, bro. You have no idea. We took thousands upon thousands of dollars in terms of a hit. You know, I didn't even consult my board. I told them I just I just made the decision. That's part of our core values. I'm gonna take care of my team. If we're going to go down, we're going to go down with a bang. I don't care. Like, we're going to make sure everybody's taking care of. I'm like, look, if you guys get sick, you know, this is, man, this is pre-PPP. This is March 16th. This is, like, literally tomorrow, last year. It is tomorrow. Right. It's tomorrow, Fuck. last year. So, I told them, look, um, if, like, if anybody gets sick and, and you go home, I can't afford to pay you guys for your salary for, you, for, for two weeks. But here's what I promise you. I'm going to make sure that your family gets food delivered Every day for 14 days. You guys are not going to go hungry. We have a restaurant. Nobody's going to go hungry. I can't pay your rent. But nobody's going to go hungry. So you don't have to worry about food. I told them that. Second, third thing I said, if any, any employee, any team member that, that works with you has kids at home, we're gonna, not only are we going to cover your food at the restaurant, we're going to cover your kids' food at home. Yeah, you know, and, and then I we did that, and then said, "Look, we're gonna just ride this through, whatever it is." And then, and then, believe it or not, we were the first brand in South Florida. I said, "Look, my friend, my boy owns a, a pizza shop in DC called And Pizza, and I keep saying DC because I have a lot, lots of family. Weird, and friends there. <laughs> super weird. The DC and, connection and, comes and up and once they again. They did something for hospital workers yeah. and first responders. We said, I told my friend, "Look, I can't afford to just give free food for everybody. We just simply can't. But here's what we're gonna do." We can get 50% off for first responders and all hospital workers for as long as as long as we need to, just to make sure that we're taking care of, of, of our, our community. And believe it or not, that's what saved us. You know. I um to reflect, it's crazy, it's tomorrow, right? Yeah, it's tomorrow. Man, fucking A. So today's Monday. Tuesday, and then everything shut down on Wednesday. Right. That's right. right. So Tuesday, I had not sat down at area to have a meal in four years. Yeah. I hadn't eaten in, in that restaurant in four years. And so all the corona stuff started happening and the news and the, the mayhem right. and all this shit. So I was like very depressed. Right. So I sat in front of area and I ate dinner alone. Wow. I mean, I think we did that last night, like, 24 people. Wow. And I sat down and I ate, and I was just, like, reflecting on, like, the, the progress we've made in four years right. and the food and all those things. And it was a great meal. Right. You know, I was super happy with the meal. I knew that we had work to do, but it was still a great meal. My chef de cuisine that's here now, he's been here through the whole thing, and God bless him. He did an amazing job. And then I remember, like, Nave was in month, like, five, four, some shit like that. And it had experienced, like, an, a great opening. Right. Like, something I had never experienced before, Amazing. even with previous openings that I had worked at. But everything shut down. And I remember my partner and I, Andrew and Michael, we all sat in a room and we're like, you know, what are we going to do now? You know, like, this is a... This is a in the world. 
And I have to say, like, those two guys, they were so optimistic. Amazing. They believed in, like, the brand and what we did so much that they basically were like, they just, it was incredible. They just went to work. You know, and, and it was like me, I was, I'm a, I'm a passionate restaurateur. Like I just, like everything for me is romance and, right. and beauty. And it's not that, you know, there's hard function to restaurants. Absolutely. Um, so like, obviously me being as a romantic, I was like very depressed in the, in the process. And they were like, we're going to make this work. Things are going to happen. The government's going to do things. We just need to be steadfast in our approach right now and really kind of hold it together so sadly we did have to furlough all of our hourly employees but we did stuff that was similar i mean we um you know we provided them dinner once a week we provided them groceries once a week because honestly that's when chugs kind of like turned a corner because that was the only thing because of the style of service that's the thing that was, was able to stay open i was gonna tell you like for you guys it's different than us right you're a full service restaurant my friends in full service restaurants they some of them closed never reopened mm-hmm. we are fast casual so we we just happen to be right at that right. service like model that actually it's sort of it re- worked recession proof right but we've never had a pandemic before, but we, we've always been recession-proof because when things are really bad, people trade down to fast casual, right? And things are really good, people trade up to fast casuals, right? right. Like from an economy standpoint. So for you guys, I can only imagine, it was like 10, it, for you, it's probably 10 times harder than what we had to deal with. Well, you're a full-service restaurant. Yeah, but we were fortunate in the fact that we're all pooled into this one location. So we were able to pool our forces to one kitchen right. and then provide to the rest of the, the to-go right. stuff. Right. But Chugs, that 700 square foot space started to flourish, in a way, you know, like because it's a fast casual model. Because because right. it was a fast casual model. Because right. then I turned it into it's a grocery a grocery store. Then I started I I started to do our own to go. I don't believe in the third party systems because I think they're assholes. No, um, and and I started to like double down. Right. And really, Chugs, it, it was it was incredible that, like. They obviously always worked hard, but that team worked double hard. You know, like uh, Gio, Chef Gio, Pasolito Papi, Liz, Casey. I mean, there was just so many people that just really like that they their job turned got harder because the volume started to go up. And then we started to do uh, the grocery store. Right. And then we were like, let's double down on the grocery store. And their sales numbers actually got better, you know, because their check average obviously got better. I mean, shit, our check average before was 12 bucks. Right. Wow. So now people are ordering groceries groceries for three or $400 at at, at a clip, you know, and having it delivered to their house. And it was just all about like, you know, the, the, the word of 2020 was pivot. Like, how do we pivot to this? How do we pivot to that? How do we do all these things? And fuck, man, it was, it was really... Uh, an interesting time because something that was originally a pop-up started to hold the entire company together. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. You know, like somebody asked me the other day, um, Bart, like, you know, Bart, what is one of the big lessons they've learned about 2020? And I'm like, the importance of our people. I mean, like, dude, like, bro, I can, like, I remember, I don't know if you remember this. You want another? Yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, I, no, I got like, you, bro. Yeah. 
I remember walking to restaurants. And we didn't know COVID. We didn't know what the fuck COVID was. Everybody was so scared. I'm like, what is it? You know, everybody was scared. And, and the team for Pincho, everybody was so scared about it. I actually shut down the restaurants. I moved on to like a, a takeout window before before, before Miami Dade even told us to, right? Because everybody was so scared. I had parents calling the parents that, you know, kids that work with us, you know, 18, 19 year old kids saying, what are you guys doing? So, you know, like all this responsibility as an owner of a restaurant group to be like, I don't want to put people through, through service and for them to be like scared to, right. to, to even talk to a guest. So I said, guys, close the restaurants, push the, push the tables all the way to the door. And we're like, we're on Ventanita going forward. Yeah. We're, we're literally going to create our own drive through I'll never forget. And, and I, it, we, uh, so Chugs, yeah. like the month before COVID happened, right. someone tried to break in. Oh my God. Right. So they, uh, the, the windows aren't completely hurricane proof. Right. They, they were like, they had that film. Right. So when they tried to throw a brick through the window, it just stuck. It, like film. it was shattered, but it was stuck because there. Because of the film. Because of the right. film. So that door, we had to clad with like wood because it, I was like, it's a pop up. I'm not going to buy a new fucking door <laughs> right now. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to last. I don't know so if it's going to last, right? Three grand on the window. Right. So. <laughs> It actually worked out to our benefit that we just used that fucking window as a ventanita. Oh, because they broke it. Because they broke it. And it, it was just like, it, it was crazy. The And then Chef Devin, which is our corporate pastry chef, right. Devin Braddock, she was like, she went into like overdrive. It was amazing. You know, again, it's like the people are so important. And 100%. it showed the importance of the people. Like, So at Nave, they were like, I told him, I was like, we're going to open a grocery store. Like, can we make pasta and sell it by the pound? Right. So we did that. Can we make pasta sauces? Work? And it worked? And it worked. People were buying it. Wow. People Amazing. were buying it. And I was like, can we make pasta sauces? Amazing. Sell it by the pints. And they were like, yeah. So all this stuff. And it was just like this beautiful. And, and I think only because I'm in the position that I'm in. Right. I saw it as this like beautiful evolution of like people really like just trying to keep it together. Right. You know, like Devin started baking loaves of bread. There was no bread in the in the grocery stores, right? She was like, we'll sell loaves of bread. She's an incredible bread baker, but we didn't sell loaves of bread before. So we're going to sell loaves of bread. Uh, we're going to sell. Then she started making ice cream. We started selling ice cream by the pint. Uh, Justin and the team at Nave started making pasta. We would sell pasta by the pound. And it was like it all and people all bought it through the grocery store. And I think now like since I don't know, life isn't like normalizing, but it's definitely not what it was a year ago today. And um, you know, like what what one year ago felt for me, at least you've been here for many years, felt like a hurricane. Oh yeah, a no, like nonstop hurricane. Nonstop hurricane. You but know, when it, a hurricane happens, you're like, okay, what do we do? You close down the restaurants. Everybody's trying to figure out where to get gas or where to go. It was the same feeling, for right. Like forever, forever. Like <laughs> you know, it, it's the last big hurricane. I, I bring this up because it reminds me of Pincho only because of the food truck aspect. Right. Like Richard from Sakai is a good friend of mine. Right. When the last hurricane hit and we lost all power. I, I put an Instagram post and I said, you know, I need a food truck. I Can someone provide me a food truck? I'll rent it. Right. And Richard was like, I'll lend you my food truck. Well, it's such an amazing dude to just lend me his food truck. 
And he was like, he literally, he was like, here are the keys. You take it. Just don't fucking get it stolen. <laughs> and just like do whatever you yeah. need to do. So I, you know, when that when that happened, I took all the shit from Ariette, and I, right. I just tried to sell it out of the food truck, which I did. And I look at that in relation to like, but that felt like a full fucking year. Like those five days, five days of hurricane days of a hurricane day felt like a full fucking year. Like we just need to sell stuff to survive, you know, and it really showed the resiliency of the team and how important it is to, you know, it's more important, like the quality over quantity. Like we have an amazing team of people from the director at the top all the way to the people that are washing dishes during the day like and it's it goes into like that that whole thing like how how you staff and how you um you know i i love danny meyer i think danny meyer does a great job but that like he talks about how important it is the staffing that you do how that really dictates your team no 100 percent. the soda Soda. Oh my bad, Mobby. Thank you, Soda. My bad. Thank you. <laughs> I see that. I see that. Amazing. So early on, we when we were growing Pincho, like you know, my parents, old school, you know, it's like the guests, you know, the customers always right. The customers always right. Oh no, they're customers, not always customers, right. customers, 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 and that sort of was our mentality, and it wasn't working as much as we wanted to as store number two opened. And then we read, you know, setting the table and like Danny Meyer and everything else. And then the way, you know, you put your team first and then you and then you guess second and your brand third and your investors fourth. And we implemented that. And I mean, it changed everything for us. It really did. You know, you looked at your team, you make sure your team's taken care of. But it's not like we're going to put the team above the guests. No, no. When I say team first is we're going to take care of each other right. together as a group. If, if I can't take care of you... How are we going to take care of the guests? You know, right? when, when I worked for Michael, something he would always say is that, like, you know, we need to treat each other as well as we treat the guests. 100%. And, um, you know, when I, I, I worked for Schwartz for three years. Right. And that's something he said at every manager meeting. Every single one. He's like, you know, we need to treat each other as good as we treat the guests. And, you know, the guest is obviously very important, but... You know, treating each other that way is because it's tough, man. Finding good people to believe in the thing 100%. is tough. It's, it's not tough. that because you can't, you know, you can teach skill, but you can't teach personality, right? I can't teach you to be a good person. You can't teach the hunger. Right. You can't. It's either it's it's either part of your upbringing of who you are, how you grew up, your parents, your grand, your grandparents, whatever, you know, your, your, if you don't have it in you. As being a, a, a literally a good human being that that's gonna go above and beyond no matter what, right? And and not necessarily just hunger, but we're in the hospital. As you know, we're a hospitality business. Like, if 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 somebody falls, what do you do? If if a kid's crying, what do you do? Like, it's part of who you are. Like, you know, it's just to be a good person to go above yeah. and beyond, right? We we always because we tell our team go above and beyond, and a lot of times they look at us like, what does that mean? Right. You have to explain what above. Like, do it as if somebody's in your house. If you're hosting somebody at your home, what would you do? I got a question here that, that Nick, maybe, maybe each Nick, of you... Nick is interjecting well, with his party, ball tickler. Nick. That's right. We call that the ball tickler. Yeah, this is the ball tickler right here. Um, so, I think that there's a... 
you brought up earlier that hospitality is in your blood and the Middle Eastern. I, I think Eastern. It, it, it's something that I think a lot of Hispanic people in Miami don't, maybe are not even aware of. Right. But a lot of people who travel Latin America, and I don't know if this applies to Brazil, right. but customer service and hospitality in Latin America is like notoriously bad. Uh, yeah. At least depending on what you're comparing to. No? Right, obviously. So I, right. I wonder what what's your experience been with like that aspect of it, especially culturally, right? Because because again, in, we're in dealing with a city East, that like Middle East and Latin America is night and day. Yeah, you go to the Middle East, man. I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not even exaggerating, guys. Like when I moved from Brazil to the Middle East, and, and I'm sorry, and I'm bringing this up because because that's you, but you're in Miami where so much of the talent pool does right. not come from that, right? You go to the Middle East, like I even have friends that are from Miami that have visited the Middle East and they've came, they've come to my house and I met these folks in my house in the Middle East and they're just blown away. They're like, people get lost in the middle of the street. Like a dear friend of mine, his name is Juan and he's my old business partner. He went to the Middle East to, to, to go help kids like learn how to code, right? Like in Gaza, right? I'm talking about like crazy stuff. And he goes, he was blown away by the fact that people, like he was lost, like a taxi driver would just like, We'll stop and like, oh, you're lost? Like, okay, just follow me. A taxi driver would make you follow him without you paying him so he can take you to where you need to be, right? Think about that. A taxi driver anywhere in the world, anywhere in Latin America will be like, no, my dude, you got to pay me. I'm a taxi driver. And if a taxi driver offers, you're like, what's up with this taxi, taxi driver? driver? Like, <laughs> I literally, I was there with my wife waiting for Juan at the time, right, in, in Ramallah, West Bank, right? This is like... In the middle of Palestine, and then, and then he's like, he he just pulls up with this guy, you know, he's driving with his car, and then there's this cab driver, and then the cab driver tells him, "All right, cool, you're good." And Bali, I'm like, "Who's that?" He's like, "Bro, I stopped him, and I told him I need to get to this hotel, and since I'm not from here, he just like just follow me, and he drove for ten minutes. Right? That's hospitality, right? It's not Russian, but that's hospitality. That's." That's like Middle Easterns yeah, as like, a whole. Like that's the guy you want to hire in a restaurant. Right. That's Middle Eastern as a whole. So, so yes, there's a big disconnect. And, you know, and I, I don't think the word, I don't think it's, it's entitlement. It's just um, hospitality. It's either in your blood, it's part of your upbringing, or, or it's not. Like you can't teach somebody to go above and beyond for a guest that's in your restaurant. It's either, it's either your, their mom, their grandparents, whoever their family is, right? It's either they taught them the importance of being a good person and, and, and just go above and beyond forever in their house, or they're not. And that's how it is. So going, going back to Danny Meyer, and that's something that we realized, we couldn't teach people how to do that. You know, and we're not in, 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 the, in the full service restaurant. We're, we're in fast casual. We're trying to stamp out as many as we can. So what we can do is teach our managers to hire for it. Can't teach you to be a good person. But I can teach our managers to hire a good person. Right. Here are the qualities. So what we call it internally is a Pincho All-Star. So internally, Ooh. it's a Pincho like All-Star. That. And at the end of the year, we have the MVP awards. So we take the whole... So like our general managers, our general managers are coaches, right? And that's the mentality. So you're a coach, you're a general manager, but at the end of the day, you're a coach. This is your basketball team, your football team. Love that. Right? And, and Love you, that. And you reference. have to develop your team to be an All-Star team. That's right. You only hire all-stars, and then you have to give those people, you have to train and develop them to be all-stars. And at the end of the year, we give the MVP awards, right? So the Pincho All-Stars at the end of the year, every, every restaurant, front of house, back of house. We have 10 restaurants, 20 people. And that's what we do every year. And that's, we take that because it's easier for people to understand, you know, a manager to understand. It's like, okay, this is my goal. 
it's not personal at the end of the day. You, you, it's not really personal. It, in, in, we don't take a, a strictly business like mentality. I, literally, I just had a conversation with direct operations right before I walked in here. And I told them, talk to me about, you know, our system managers, this and that. And he said, look, they're, they're so, 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 and so, right? We're talking about specific people. They're amazing people. They deserve a shot. Even though they're not up there yet, we just need to spend a little bit of time to develop them. And, and as long as somebody's willing to learn, we're willing to invest the time. But if somebody's an asshole, you just got to go. Because right. part of the culture is you can't be an asshole. You got to take care of each other. If somebody's an asshole within the team, I'm like, I don't care how talented you are. You just, you just don't make it in features. That's right. You got to go. I, I believe in more investing into character than talent. Absolutely. Because I can train you the talent. 100%. But I can't train you to not be an asshole. You know, like, and inherently some people are just fucking assholes. Because that's who they are. And, you know, like, I, I'm i a true believer that's why I'm in the back of the house. At, like, that is my nature because right. I shouldn't deal with people. <laughs> my director of operations, which she's amazing. Right. Um, we've been deficient at, like, the hostess stand. And, right. you know, the host stand here runs two different restaurants. Right. So it's a very stressful situation. 100%. And... People are fucking ruthless. Some people are very rude. And she just tells me, she tells me stories, even just like during a service that I expedite service and she's working the hostess stand. She's like, well, this person told me that I, that I was an asshole and told me to go fuck myself. And it's like, if that were me, I would tell that person to go fuck themselves six ways to Sunday, six times in five minutes. You know, so it, it's incredible that it's like uh, some people just don't have that thing in them. To deal with, you know, the service side of things. 100%. And and that's why, like, as a chef, I tell my chefs, my chefs all the time, like, you need to understand the other dynamic of working with a guest. I get it. Working with food is tough. Working in a kitchen is tough. I experienced that for a very long time, and I'm still in it every day. But at the same time, it's like working with a guest is equally as tough. Of course. Equally as tough. And depending on the neighborhoods that you're in. Oh, man, on so much. In, Coral Gables, Pincho, is 10 times harder than Bird Road Pincho. Fuck yeah. Because it's Coral God Gables forbid crowd. you open up in the in the Grove. Right. Coral, Gable, <laughs> Coral Gables crowd is very tough. Yeah. I'll never forget, you know, a, a dear friend of mine that had a full-service restaurant in, in the Gables. So he told me once, like, the hardest, the most stressful position in the restaurant is the hostess. They, they'll quit. He's so they'll fucking quit. right. They'll That's quit why because, you pay them well. Right. So people would walk in the restaurant and be like, uh, I would like a table. Like, oh, it's a reservation. Do you have a reservation? No. Well, but I live in the Gables. What the fuck does that mean? You have higher taxes. Good it, for you. Right. But then there, you know, some guests, not in, all. Entitlement. 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 You know? And then, you know. And how does that feel for, for a person that's working, trying to make, you know, trying to make a dollar to I pay know. their rent? Uh, this weekend, it's so funny you mentioned that. This weekend, uh, she was telling me, it's like someone in the Grove was like, this is why. <laughs> so we had lots of reservations. Both restaurants were pretty much fully booked. And um, and someone came in and they wanted to sit outside. Listen, both restaurants on the indoors are pretty small. And um, she was like, uh, I'm so sorry, sir. We're fully booked. You know, uh, we have reservations. We can afford you a table indoors. Right. And they were like, we would never sit inside. <laughs> et lo otro, whatever. You know, just all, a bunch of fucking trash. Right. 
And then went even the further, like further enough to call her a dumb bitch. Wow. Right. Wow. To call her is like, how dare you, you dumb bitch. And then uh, said, uh, this is why the people at our yacht club say you shouldn't come here. Oh, my God. And, man, that whole night. So, like, usually after how the night unfolds is like, you know, I'll work expo somewhere. Right. And then she'll work somewhere. And then uh, the psalm will work somewhere. And then we'll, like, unfold the whole night somewhere whether it's either here where we're sitting now or in my office or whatever and um they tell me this whole, and the whole time she's telling me the story i'm like who was the per- what was the person's name tell me the person's name she was like no no <laughs> because i don't want you to call this person i'm like i want to call this person because how dare someone think that they're it's okay to talk to another talk human like that, that right to another person that way so this and this like- is why like I believe in providing the best experience for the guest, 100%. but I do not believe in the guest is always right. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Because it's like if if they talked if they talk to anyone on my staff that way, anyone, it could be from the dishwasher all the way to my director of operations that's working the host stand. I have a You're not fucking oh man, yeah. fuck you. Yeah, it's so fucked, man. Right. It's so and disrespectful. We're we're in the bur- we are in the the business of service. But we are not servants. That I is heard that one before, but that's right well. On, I've said right it a lot in the last week because that just happened on Saturday. Right on so, I like we are in the business of service, but we are not servants. It's such an ugly thing, though, when somebody walks into your restaurant and right. they think they're above the staff. You know, like like, and then to the point that the guy threatened her with an a, she, he he left, came back and said, "You'll be hearing from me with a very negative review," and I said. Oh man, bring it! Yeah. Bring all the negative reviews you want. They've called me exhibit. They've said all kinds of terrible <laughs> things about me in reviews. X to the Z, and I don't give a fuck. I don't care. It's right. fucked up, man. Yeah. I'm crazy. all about like it's it's fine. I want to be there for the guests. I want to provide an experience, but don't you dare talk to my people. However, the fuck you think. At it's the okay. end of the day, this is your house. Yeah, right. And you want to let in good people. They want to have a good time. They want to share with their family and their friends. The moment an asshole comes in, you're you're not culturally fit to be here. I know. You but you're go. not culturally fit to be anywhere. <laughs> Fuck that, not just here. If you're an asshole, you're not culturally fit to be anywhere. Yeah, Fuck no, you. Absolutely. I don't care. It's I don't care how deep your fucking pockets are, man. And that's that bothers the shit out of me as well. It bothers the shit out of me. I don't care how deep your pockets are. If you're gonna be a prick, you're not worthy of a pincho, right. you're not worthy of pastrami short rib, you're not worthy of shit. Right. You oh. can go cook for yourself at your house. At your yacht club. That's right. At the Yacht Club with all your other rich friends. Right. <laughs> Guys, I need to take a commercial break for a leak. There you go. <laughs> Boop. That thump you just heard, that was my pen ass in the bottom of the table. <laughs> now on 1210 The Man, Berg's pen ass hits yeah. the bottom of the table. That's going to be our 1210 The Man promo on like every episode. <laughs> Welcome back to Pancom Podcast, post-leak by Chef Mike. So can I ask you a question? Shoot. So you said something I thought was really interesting. That's a shock. Come on. <laughs> um, you know, from a full-service standpoint, yeah. you said, you know, when we're talking about scaling yeah. and all that above, you know, you see Arya as just being Arya. Yeah. You know, but can you just talk a little bit more about that? Like, why why wouldn't you, as a you know, as a chef of an amazing restaurant, not want to open up a second version of the same restaurant 
not necessarily in Miami, but like sure. somewhere else. Like, you know, wouldn't you be like excited to export this feeling somewhere else? I, I get that. I, I definitely get that part. question and the sentiment. For me, the idea and the reason why I started that little weird hole-in-the-wall restaurant behind us right. was more romance than anything else. And okay. romance can't be transmitted anywhere else. And the food that we serve here is supposed to be very indicative on the city, right? So the city dictates what we serve, in my mind. How often I, does the menu change? Oh, man. When I was behind the stick every day, it changed every three or four days. Oh, wow. A lot. Okay. The bones would stay the same, but um, things would change all the time. Now we change more i would say every month to two months you know it, the thing is that there's there's parts of the menu that can never change because people come back for them over and over and over again um but some things you know seasonal uh like our malanga soup people fucking love i love it too that will have to end very soon because truffles will be out of season that's not a local thing but just because of truffles and then it will probably change to the mamega spacho which we've had before um, you know, it's a very like cliche statement because so many big name chefs have like used it already. And I, I hate it is like the love letter to Miami, but me being someone that was born and raised here, like this is my testament to a city that I love very much. So it can't be replicated. Can other concepts that we have be replicated? Sure. But they need to prove their worth. So like, you know, do I think that there could be a version of Chugs elsewhere? Sure. But we need to open that thing up. We need to, you know, like talking about the Danny Meyer book, the first Shake Shack opened and the second one didn't open for another five years. And that says a lot. Right. You know, he needed to understand the business model a lot. And I think that oftentimes why restaurants fail is because they don't study their business enough and they don't understand what that restaurant and where that restaurant needs to be. So, yeah, I think other concepts within our company can be duplicated and put elsewhere, but Ariad is one that will, in my mind, always be the sum of one because she's my child. So, like, I just don't see it anywhere else. And if someone was like, you should open up an Ariad somewhere else, I'd be like, "You, that's what you think, but it, it's not. it's not yours to... To think that way, you know? I know this might be completely, like, a crazy, like, analogy to it, but I remember when me and my wife were talking about having a second child. Sure. And I told my wife, I almost feel like I already have my first, I already have my daughter. I'm like, why would we have another one? Right. Like, like another kid. Like, I really right. love my kid. I feel like I'm almost cheating on my kid by having another kid. Right, right. I'm like, I love this human Yeah, it's so a love much. that you only know right? once, I'm right? Like, like, why should I have another kid, right? And I really I really told her that. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, as I feel like, but I think maybe that's sort of the feeling. Like, this is this is the one kid that you love. Why would you copy it, right? Like, if, right. if anything, you will start another <clears throat> concept, but you wouldn't have uh, a sibling to this one. So... And, and no one knows about this, and I yeah. guess we'll break the news here on the podcast for the people that Breaking listen. Breaking the but, news podcast. But uh, we're opening another location in downtown in 2022. and uh, Another location of? It's a new concept. Okay. okay. It's a new concept, um, but it's supposed to be a riff off of this one. Okay. And 
Um, I changed the name. The food is different. The chef is different. She's amazing. I love her. Um, The whole concept is different, but it's really like, I think the way I think about it is if I were to start Ariette again with money, this is probably what I would have done. You know, not to say that it's going to be better. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. We started Peach with money. Yeah. Where would we open? Not to say that it's going to be better. It's just going to be different. Right. It's going to be its own thing. And for it to carry its own identity, for it to carry its own thing. And it's like, uh, I think about that a lot because it's only, I don't know, five, six miles away. But it's a different concept. It is a totally different concept. You know what's funny? I I met, it's funny because I actually did. I was very fortunate to hang out with Danny Meyer for like Man. for like an hour. I, fe- I fed I fed him and his family once. That's amazing. That's I, Cyprus, I was yeah. able to hang out with him for like an hour and a half in their office, right? Part yeah, like part of, of this entrepreneurial thing. And that same trip in the morning, I met these kids from uh, you know the restaurant in New York called Cosme. Of course, so, Cosme. So Cosme and I got to meet them. Amazing, amazing human beings, and they have the same sentiment that you do. And that's why I was asking you. Because they get offered to open Cosme all over the world. All over the world. And they won't. They won't do it. And then I, and, and then we asked why, right? And it's, this was like a group of like seven of us or eight of us. No, actually, maybe ten of us, whatever. Uh, and then they said something very similar to what you just said, which was, there's only one Cosme. If we open a second, it dilutes what Cosme is. Right. Right? And, and then, but here's what we're willing to do. We're, we're opening a, a sister brand called Dante. Yeah, in LA, with this this other phenomenal chef, this girl that worked with them, and it's going to be similar but not the same. Right. But it's going to be its own identity because we don't want to dilute it because they respect their art so much. It's, it's almost like you're painting the Mona Lisa. Why would you copy the Mona Lisa? Right. The Mona Lisa is the Mona Lisa, and I'm going to. You go just next. make a Van Gogh. Right, and you just keep going. Right. I I guess if from a fine dining standpoint, fast cash is a little bit different. <laughs> well, right. You know, in, in all fairness, like. We're not fine dining. We're upscale casual. Upscale casual. There yeah, you know, like, and the word fine dining comes up a lot because I talk about Michelin stars a lot, even right. though I don't think you need to be fine dining to garner a Michelin star. You, you I, don't. You don't. You don't. Um, we know that. There's many places got Michelin stars that are not fine dining. Right. I, I think that that it all has to do with the... The restaurant itself and the identity and the character that it, it brings, you know, was something we talked about at the beginning was going from a shell or going from a second generation right. space. Spaces that were privy previously something else already carry a character that you're just adding on to. Something that I've talked about a lot is like Chugs now that, you know, fortunately Chugs 2.0 has... A history already so the character is already built in but like for our downtown location like it's a fucking shell high ceilings beautiful like so many things that make it easy to build out and the whole thing and the only thing i keep on saying in all of our meetings is how will we build character into this space because character i think is what attracts people 100%. how does it attract someone to like want to be there like, I want to be here at 1 in the morning having, like, a drink and feeling sexy and feeling have like I'm having a moment, right? It, the character brings that, 
You know, like you can't just put it into a box. It's not paint by colors at that point. It's all dictated by you and I as restaurant people to try to formulate that thing for somebody. So it's what differentiates like it's so when we choose where we want to go, right? As restaurant folks, where do we choose? We, we, we don't only really choose the food. We choose the whole experience from A to Z. Right. From A to Z. You know, well, like it, and it's super important. I, I think about it often. <clears throat> like uh, that fine line because I'm building a casual restaurant and a, a nicer restaurant at right. the same time is like, how do we dictate how the guest is going to experience this from start to finish? I want them to have a flawless experience. And that's very tough. It's very tough. It's like you have to think of every single thing that, in my mind, the way I look at it is like, what can go wrong? How's this going to go wrong? It's <laughs> a good way to think about it. I mean, uh, just <laughs> being a chef, like, I just think about, like, how many things can go wrong right now in the next 20 minutes while they get their coffee, they get their sandwich, and they get their yogurt that they're going to have later and get them out the door. Right. And then also... In the next 20 minutes, as they enter this super sexy space in the middle of a very weird downtown, how can I get them to want to sit here and drink and have a fun time till three in the morning? It's a very like weird dynamic. So I always recant like all the like all the experiences that I've had in my life and what's gone wrong and what's gone well and think about like how I would do them differently. And it's. It's a weird, it's a very strange place to be uh, emotionally because you're always like, what? Why did you open the Rien in, in the Grove? Oh, <laughs> that's a whole other marvel of stories, bro. <laughs> you know, like, area. Why the Grove, right? I'm just saying, if we're here, like, fuck it, let's. Yeah, no, I mean. To, find out. to I, me, for us, we've never opened the Grove because we're so intimidated by it. Why would you it, be intimidated it just by feels, it? It just feels like a very particular market. In it is. It is. It is. And it's like a whole other ball game. So, like, for sure. imagine, it's been 10 years. We've never even talked about the growth. So, I would tell you that five years ago, it's six now, six years ago, I was super fucked. I had no choice. I had left my job. I had been led to believe that we had a location in Little Havana, which is my dream. Because, really? yo, that's oh. where I was born and raised. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I mean, my dream is to go back to my neighborhood and open a super fine dining restaurant where it deserves to be, which is my my homeland, right? If you find a spot big enough, we'll take the other quarter. We'll talk. Um, <laughs> and that deal went south very quickly. Um, I, Like I said, I had left my job. I had no money. Right. Um, and... Luckily, the partner I had at the time, which we are not partners anymore, uh, was friends, childhood friends with my current partners, and they had this location. Really? And they were building it, but it, they didn't know what to do with it. They're building it, not, not having the area in mind. Right. And then um, they were like, you know, maybe we should have lunch. And we had lunch, and I did all the talking. Obviously, and um, their favorite restaurant at the time was the restaurant that I worked at, which was, I think, probably one of the most influential restaurants in Miami in the last 20 years. And it will be one of the most influential restaurants going forward, which was the Cypress Room. Wow. 
And um, we talked and we talked and we talked. And then after that meeting, we talked some more. And a lot, like a lot of like weird events happened that led to this restaurant opening. I didn't open here out of choice. I actually, if people were to ask me eight years ago, I would say, man, I would never open in the Grove. Because the Grove was indicated to be a Thursday night spot, right? Like right. the college crowd and so on Never. and so forth. And I was totally fucking wrong, man. And I love being wrong. And I tell my staff this all the time. Like, I love being wrong. I am wrong often, and I love being wrong, right? I love when people can be like, "What you? With this whole thing that you said, this whole, it was all wrong. And I love that. It's amazing. And I was wrong. Um, the Grove needed something like this. Um, albeit it took, I'd say, 36 months for it to develop what it is now today. Wow. Um, but it was quick. People came. We didn't deliver super well at the beginning because I didn't totally know what I was doing. But, I mean, at the same time, it was a very, like, landscape needed something like this. So people kept coming back and kept coming back. And as we got better, they kept coming back more frequent, more frequent, more frequent. And now it's like a mainstay for a lot of people, you know. So the Grove, I think, is intimidating in the fact that there's a lot of there is a lot of people that have a lot of money here. But there's a lot of people like us here, too, you know, like. 30s, 40s, people that are middle class, hardworking folks, right. And I would say I stumbled onto this out of luck, but I was prepared for the opportunity. And the people answered, you know, like they they came and they they enjoyed. And um, I think it's one of my fears now that we go outside of our own market because like we have one restaurant, well, not a restaurant, we have a bar south of Fifth, but it's different. Like bars are a very different dynamic than right. restaurants 100%. Um, but opening up a restaurant outside of our market that I don't totally understand super well, I'll be, I am a little intimidated by it, but at the same time, I feel like we have so much to offer for the rest of the city. And I, I would love for the rest of the city to experience what we do. And I, I think it's going to be pretty incredible. So why the Grove? I got lucky. I got lucky. Um, it's a beautiful people, corner spot, by the way. Well, nice. we we also got lucky in the fact that no one wanted to be here. Really? Oh man! You're a little bit, yeah, you're like like two blocks down from. That's right. We're two blocks down from, from everybody. Right? But just like uh, Carbone, we are fully booked for all weekends for the next three weeks, and you can hear it first <laughs> on Pancom Podcast. Um, so like, um, you know, we are two blocks away from anything that kind of like really resonates with like foot traffic. We have zero foot traffic. Um, but we, we are a good friend of mine out of DC actually told me all the time. He's like, just be that good that people can't ignore you. Consistently good. And I, I took that to heart because his food is amazing. His restaurant is amazing. And I was like, we should carry that same mantra. And we have for the last two years. Be that good that people can't ignore you. And they can't ignore the fact that our food, our service, and our drinks are that fucking good. Amazing. Congratulations. And very cool. it's just like 
now I see people coming to the Grove and I see people coming to Miami and I'm always spectacle. Like, it, it's just always like, I, I'm skeptical of the fact that, like, why are you coming here now? <laughs> Super protective. No, it's cool. You? You, you can come now, but, right. you know, like. But why now? Why now? Why now? <laughs> why now? Why not before? And equally. Yeah, lots of brands are coming all of a sudden and moving here. I get friends of mine calling me from New York mostly. And we're looking for a location in Winwood. And yeah. I'm like, I'm looking for a fucking location in Winwood. <laughs> why would you want to open in Winwood? You know what I mean? I like, mean, I, but, serious question. Why would you want to open in Winwood? We're already 10 units in the suburbs. We need to start going that way. We, we have Pembroke Pines, Hylia, Pinecrest, Kendall, Coral Gables. You know, like, I need to start going, like, a little bit that way. And, like, the beach. I only have the beach in Winwood. That's all yeah, I, I guess Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, we're 10. Thanks we're fast right. casual. Remember, we're, we're, like, there's nothing else left for us here in the suburbs. Yeah. Maybe we're talking about homesteads sometimes. We talk about going, you know, but then it's tough from a driving standpoint. For sure. We talk about Davey, you know. We already have one in Sunrise, which is, like, right next to the Ikea. You know, so we're, Oof, we're, we're Ikea. You ever been to an Ikea? Right. I have been to an Ikea. It's dreadful. I never want to go again. It's dreadful. The meatballs are great, but the, the experience is dreadful. Not had I, go. The meatballs. I go for the meatballs. You go for the meatballs. You <laughs> don't. You don't. Cake. And the, I've never had the chocolate cake, but the meatballs are solid. I'll tell you that much. Man, this we're good. I think this yeah. has been great. So uh, this is where we'll start to do the wind down. I guess so, man. I don't know. This has been a great time. It has. I mean, we can always do it again. Yeah, we can do we it. Can again. Do another another. When, when are you planning your open? When are you planning to open your DC location? <laughs> when that happens, I guess you can come back since, on the podcast. Since, fa- since factory doesn't my, work anywhere, not so DC investor. <laughs> uh, it's taking a break from because of COVID. Right. So we're sort of pausing for a second, but we are opening a location south of FIU. Oh, cool! Uh, so we're excited about that. We haven't announced it, so this is actually the first time. Hey. Breaking news Breaking here news. on Panko Podcast. Uh, Larry's going to love this one. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I Unfortunately, we're sitting on a backlog of episodes, so this news will break in like three Breaking weeks. Breaking in like three weeks. It's fine. You could That's tune amazing. up Larry so, to then. You know, I, so I like we, that uh, since since Factory won't resonate yeah. everywhere, as you mentioned earlier, maybe this will be the Pincho Subcommittee on International Kebab and Burger Affairs. I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So, we're doing that, which is exciting. Um, and we're, we're looking for a couple of more locations here. I think we'll open up another two in South Florida. And then, Just two, whatever. You know, and then we're going to start expanding. You know, we, we've got some really cool interest from some people from outside. You know, um, this really at the end of the day, there's nobody doing what we're doing in the fast casual space, which is at the end of the day, we're, we're in Latin street food concept. Right? We're like burgers, pinchos, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches. You know, food that you know with flavors you never experienced before. That's like our thing internally. We're not trying to teach people how to eat, you know, like arepas, for example. It's like it's not our thing. Our thing is it's like mainstream food, which is burgers, you know, kebabs and everything else, but with flavors and experience. So I think, you know, we're excited. You know, we're we're ambitious uh, folks. We're trying to get to you know, maybe 100 units over the next couple of years. 100 wow. units. You heard it here first, everyone. Yeah, Pincho will units. be going. Their goal is 100 units. God bless you. And wow, yeah. I am I have anxiety just thinking about You're that. You're going to get pinchoed everywhere you I can. have five units, and I want to blow my brains out. You know what's crazy, though? It's There's, there's no passion in scaling right. for us. It was very tough to, to, to even be okay with, like, we like this. Okay, great. But now 
stamp out 100. There's no passion in that, to be quite honest. But the one thing that drives us, again, going back to being cheesy, like we want to make South Florida proud. Like we want to yeah. be able to, to be the brand, the fast casual brand, right? That like that grew out of here and got to 100 units across the U.S. So I that's think, amazing. Like we really want to do it. Like 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 you know, I one of my investors he was talking. How are you gonna make your restaurant, you know, um, uh, um, fit this neighborhood from from a look and from a look look and feel? And I said, um, we're not looking to do that. Because every brand says, oh, we're gonna hire local artists in D.C. or hey, New York hey. or whatever. We're gonna hire local artists and paint the walls. I said, fuck that. Why, why would I do that? So I said, we're going to hire 10 Miami local artists. And every time we open a store, a Miami artist is going to go there and hey, paint that I store. I love that. You know, so when they see it, they're like, oh, who's this art? Well, let me tell you about the story about this is a Miami artist. One, two, three, four, five. You know, we have investors come in and be like, I don't feel the Latin vibe here. And I'm like, because we're in fucking Miami. I, well, what do you want me to do? Have a fucking... Carne asado, my shoulders, and yeah. a fucking... A pots so, and a, pans. You just talk about pots hat. and pans the whole I'm time. I'm like, we're a cool, Latin-inspired brand. We're a That's Miami right. brand. Like, I don't give a fuck. I need an, an artist from Miami to paint these walls. It doesn't necessarily need to be red, white, and fucking green because you guys think, you know, that those are the colors of the Hispanic community for whatever racist reasons you guys have. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, no, we're like a Miami brand, and we're going to just stamp this out. We're, we're a burger kebab joint. We're like some dope food, and we're just going to be as authentic as we can. We're not going to try to fit in the narrative of every other neighborhood from a look and feel. But we are going to try to make like this sandwich or this burger or this kebab fit that neighborhood because we, we want to celebrate the culture within that neighborhood. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're a Miami brand. So, you know, we're trying to do all of these crazy things. Bro. I love crazy things. Yeah. Super crazy. Nick, talk into your ball tickler now. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> every time you say ball tickler, then I have to get close to the ball tickler. <laughs> get these ball tickler ball fuzzies tickler. up my nose. Uh, it's like a porn. So we're going to uh, start to do the wind down. Right. Um, I don't know whether you've gotten to this point in the Seth episode, but we always <laughs> start to end the thing with our parting recommendations. So everybody recommends something to the audience. It could be literally anything as long as it's not yours. It can be a movie, a book, a dish, a oh, travel destination, anything at all. <laughs> you can tell he hasn't gotten to that portion of the Seth no, episode. No, the Seth episode no. is 18 hours yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't recommend that one to start. <laughs> That's a DNL. We were yeah. a whole other people. By the time <laughs> right, right, right. We finished Seth's yeah. episode. More gray hairs and all the yeah. rest. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll get us started since you hadn't gotten to that point. Right. Um, I'm going to recommend not a totally unknown thing, but if, if you're on YouTube and you like car things, oh yeah, uh, check out Jay Leno's Garage. Yeah. There's an MSNBC show, but on YouTube, he does a lot more stuff, sometimes expanding on what's on MSNBC, right. and it ranges a lot from like, you know, classic cars to modern car, you know, kind of tours. Right. To like totally off the wall custom build stuff, uh, so Jay Leno's Garage. That's been my latest YouTube rabbit hole. And my second recommendation, which frankly I don't even know if I'm recommending. It's like I'm kind of on the fence, but I would invite you to join. You know, like get on this journey. Superman and Lois, which is a new uh, TV series. The premise of it is that Superman. 
i.e. Clark Kent, and Lois Lane have two teenage kids. Really? And the series starts when he tells them that he's Superman. Nice. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. I'm a little concerned because it's the CW that it'll get really corny really fast. Uh, but so far, it has not been awful. Uh, so check that out. If, if you'd like, Mike can go. Or if you're ready, if you want to give yourself a little buffer, Mike can go next. Or you can go ahead. Whatever you need. Um, did, we, did we not share a conversation about what we thought was a hot button issue this week? Let, let's make that Patreon, but okay. But the, but the for a Got little it. teaser, the Patreon people. If you are paying on Beep. Patreon, you, you will get a questionnaire, and one of the questions will be about what kind of trees should go with eggs. Oh, that's right. That's good. Oh, you have a different one in mind. No, I thought we had a very hot button issue this week that was not cheese and eggs. I'll go back through our texts. Okay, go back through the text. Yeah. My parting recommendations was I just watched a night in Miami. Yesterday, that is uh, the what was it on uh, the Amazon? Yeah, Amazon Prime. It's on the, the it was on the Amazon. The Amazon machine. On the Amazon, the Amazon machine, machine, and I I enjoyed it very much. I thought that it was extremely well done, albeit I was like extremely exhausted while watching it. Uh, I I thought it was was very very good. So I definitely recommend that very very much. Um, that's my parting recommendation All right. for the whole thing. Right. I have two recommendations. Oof, Andy, come, man, a, a man uh, that's they're prepared. Not, they're not that crazy. They're like pretty straightforward. One, if you're an entrepreneur, independently from which uh, industry you're in, uh, Danny Meyer is setting the table. Yes. I've read the book three fucking times. Literally. The other day, I was just like taking notes. I opened the book. Uh, it's that good. It really. We're is sending smoke signals to Danny Meyer to be on this podcast whenever he wants to be on. Danny Meyer, you should be on this podcast. Thank you. Hey, Let him we'll know. Make, I know you sat in a room with him. Let we'll him know. Make, we'll make some moves. That's recommendation number one. Recommendation recommendation number two. So wear your fucking mask when you walk into one of our restaurants. Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know. Why that's is it a, so hard? That's not a party recommendation. Just, like, like, come on. Walk let's... in, wear your mask. It's not that big of a deal. It's you not. Know, order your food, sit down, and take off your mask. Right. Yeah. That's fine. Guys, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You know, we're just trying to protect our team and trying to protect you as our guests. And we love you guys very much. But, like, you know, it's it, it, you just got to do this thing until this whole thing is over. And also try not to get shut down. Like, I think, <laughs> I think that's the thing is, like, because I've had this conversation with people, too, right? And it's like, even if you are 100% convinced it's bullshit, right. the person on the other end of this is yeah. trying to keep a business open. 100%. And you don't like, I, I think that, you know, uh, and whether you want to call it an unfortunate side effect or whatever, like, I think that the one of the cultural worst impacts of this thing is that so many people have been basically deputized and people who are in the business of hospitality and being accommodating have been put in the position of basically being cops. Like, you guys have to act like you're cops, which is not something you ever signed up for. It's not a great feeling either. Right, yeah. It's so it's like just out of for. consideration, because I'm sure there are restaurant owners who think this is bullshit. But at the end of the day, you got to keep your restaurant open. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. That's right. You know? Right. So. Absolutely. I second. I second. This is the first time a recommendation has been seconded. Woo! There you go. 
Wow. And finally, before we get to the Patreon things, shameless plugs. Otto, let everybody know where they can find your stuff online. Yeah. Also, right. the future address of your definitely not Washington, D.C. restaurant. Right. Absolutely. Not, let's not tell them where that's going to be. Absolutely. Well, you know, you can enjoy any of our restaurants. at Just go to www.pincho.com. Click on locations. You know, we're 10 units strong. South Florida, you know, two in Broward. Everybody else in Dade. So, you know. Pincho, a.k.a. Pincho Factory, you know. Love that. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm going to ask for one other parting recommendation because we've never been in this position before. Uh, we did a little bit of this with uh, Tung Nguyen. When, when you are food homesick, is there anywhere in Miami you go to? Ooh, fuck. That's a good one. That is a good so when question. I go to, when, I, when I leave Miami, right, because I'm, I'm always food homesick for Brazil and the Middle East because yeah. I fucking lived everywhere. So it's a bit of a nightmare for me. I, I, I literally, I'm nostalgic for a place that doesn't exist. Like, I don't feel home at all times because like, I move so much. You want, you want that hummus churraco. Right, right, right. It's <laughs> an interesting but, mix. No, it really is crazy. So, but if I'm gone from Miami and I need to find a spot that I, need, I really need to eat in, Fuck, it has to be, I mean, it's a tiny little spot in Hialeah called La Viña. Love that. Bro, La Viña is on, 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 on 8th Avenue, right? Like right behind HML. Dude, it's the best, the best uh, uh, pollo la plancha. Right, I go there with my, like, with, well, I try to convince my wife to go there, but she, you know, we, we live on Bird Road now. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, let's go to Hialeah to go have Panko, uh, uh, Pollo La Plancha. So like, there's Sergio's down the street. There's a bitch of a yeah. place. Nothing like La Vina. Right. That's like, that's the one place that, it's like eight bucks, nine bucks for the whole thing. It's amazing. It's like sensational. You heard it here first, everyone. La Vina in Hialeah Maybe a makes trip. the best Pollo La Plancha. <laughs> It is not Burger Beast approved, <laughs> so uh, I will uh, challenge the uh, Beast of Burgers to go to La Viña in, uh, in Hialeah to let us know what he thinks. If it's Burger Beast approved, fuck. I know. It's going to change the game. Wait He's a trailblazer himself, I that guy. Wait till they start putting that sauce on things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it Mago, is it Mago Be- Burger Beast approved? I forget where he landed on fritas. I don't know, but all, he thinks all their fritas are better than mine, which I agree. <laughs> I, I disagree with him completely. But they're great. But they're great. Not as bad as Chugs. Not, yeah, not, yeah, it's not better than, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Shameless plugs? All the things. All the things. We'll play, we'll play Noah's thing here. Uh, <laughs> Noah's thing was good. This is where it goes. All the things. I still got to recommend all my shit. I mean, we've, we've done this 80 do times do already. Do nah, it's whatever. Yeah, all the things. All the things. No, so who knows? Maybe people, are, more maybe people are coming here for the first time. But you know what? Fuck you. All the things. All the things. At this point, just all the things. Yeah, and finally, got it. Uh, Pancong Podcast. We're Pancong Podcast on all of the social media things. Past give episodes us all at, your money. Calm down. Datemag.com <laughs> slash Pancong Podcast. And you can give us all your money on Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Datemag. D-A-D-E-M-A-G. Uh, if you give us your money there, you will not only hear the <laughs> last five rapid fire questions of this boom, interview, boom, but also boom, a bunch boom. of other exclusive content and if you give us enough of your money, you might get 
Not you might. If you give us enough of your money, you will get a mug. A mug. With our pornographic microphone sandwich It's logo not pornographic. On. People, people are just fucking sick. Yeah. Some people think it's pornographic. People I'm are sorry. sick. Listen, you but know. Can I add something to that? Go for it. If you give us enough of your money, we will, at Pincho, give you a, uh, the 2015 Burger Bash winner. Yeah. Exclusively. I don't even know what that means. Exclusively. Yeah. The, the croquet is a burger. We will, we will choose one winner, and oh. we will specifically make it for them. Okay, so so if this so, is epic, what, this is okay, like so, uh, like we close down the restaurant. You and your friend come, and we we'll make it. Okay, so this, so if you are a paying Patreon person, you 100%. are automatically entered into a raffle for this the, item. The at, croquetesa. for a croquetesa right? At any pincho factory, and anyone, you tell me which one, we'll make it for you. Okay, and what's the cutoff date? You have to be within the next month. Within the next. Two months. Two months. Look at this. Right. You have two but months. You have to. You have to be the winner in terms of how much money you're giving us. Oh shit! This is That's good, it, bro. This is like exclusive shit, bro. And this is where our YouTube video gets demonetized <laughs> for a copyright claim. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, Otto. And if you are a Patreon, and we're out of here, everyone. We're kind of out of here. If you're a Patreon person, we're here for another couple minutes. Thank Pay you very much. us all your money. Patreon starts now. Rapid fire, Mike. Look Go at, ahead. Look at the thing. It's great. The Eye of the Tiger. Oh, wow. the Eye of the Tiger. So good. That was good.